My Family Thinks I'm Crazy, a podcast where I, your host, try to give you some tips on how you can explain all this weird, wild, crazy conspiracy stuff to the people you love most, because that's what I've been trying to do for the past 10 years with no success. I've been telling everybody that I got a minute Again with your, Mark being Mark again. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's the thing about podcasts is when you're on the air, and it's like therapy, you know. If I can't talk to my family about this stuff, I'll talk to you, Matt, and all our listeners. Yeah. So who are we talking about today, Matt? Something alien and strange has invaded the Southwest, a gigantic and inhuman power from another world. They look like Martian monsters in this pastoral scene. Skeleton towers of steel grow 120 feet tall posted across the landscape in military file from horizon to horizon. From the cross arms of the towers hang chains of insulators bearing power line cables buzzing with electricity, transmitting power from the Glen Canyon Dam and the new coal-fired generators near the town of Page to the burgeoning cities of Las Vegas, Phoenix, and Southern California. From the silence of the desert to the clamor of glitter glutch, the fool's treasure of one region is transported and transmuted to the nervous neon of another. Energy, they call it. Energy for growth. And what is the growth for? Ask any cancer cell. These are the words of the late, great Edward Abbey, his book, The Journey Home, Some Words in Defense of the American West, his chapter, The Second Rape of the West. And I found this quote very fitting for today's conversation with our guest, someone who is helping people understand how they can take our natural landscape back from the insidious powers that be, using love, frequency, and harmony here to teach us about orgone and its potential to reharmonize the electro pollution and smog that's being generated in our environment more and more each day. Mitch, the orgone donor. I'm Mystic Mark. Thank you for tuning in to the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. Enjoy this episode with Mitch, the orgone donor. In this case, I was trying to prove something wrong because I thought it was so ridiculous that there's no moving parts in this and we're so tied to this 3D reality that we have to see bells and whistles and electrical cords and jolts and, and lightning bolts and batteries and click, tick tock, click clock, whatever is inside moving stuff. And that if that's not there, well, this this obviously can't be working. The answer to that is that this reality, as I've learned over the last six years now, this reality is so much weirder than we've ever been told. I was learning about the frequency, vibration, energy, consciousness. This is a wake-up tool. And then it was like, well, wait a minute, this is so much deeper. A lot of people see a cell tower and they think T-Mobile or AT&T. And when I look at those things, I just think it's a soul sucker. 
This is a battle. We're in a war for our soul. Something wants our soul. I'm in this daily battle where I'm not just doing the tower busting. I'm, I'm, try, I'm trying to like change the vibration and open up this pathway to our life force that's being basically sucked dry or, or terraformed, really. The artificial construct, something is attempting to create an artificial construct over the natural reality. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in. Today on the show is someone who I think is doing us all a huge service, implementing something that the technocrats, the ruling class, really don't see coming, and this is the angle we need to hit them on. So without further ado, Mitch, how are you, brother? Thank you for joining us on the show. I got to ask you one question before we yeah. tell or before we get an introduction from you, does your family think you're crazy? My family doesn't really pay attention nor know what it is that I do with my day-to-day -day life. So, uh, so we can imagine, we can yeah. imagine they might. <laughs> <laughs> they might, yeah. Well, yeah. you're right at home here, and we definitely want to give you an opportunity to share what you're doing with our audience, because I think a lot of people come to this show feeling like, they see what's wrong with the world. They don't know quite exactly the specifics, but ultimately they want to help, even if it's just being a part of the conversation and listening. So let's go to square one. You know, when did you, when did you start to see something was up? You know, like, was there a sort of wake up moment that you had in your life that eventually led to discovering Orgone? Yeah. So as far as there being a definitive moment, for me, it wasn't a definitive moment for learning about Oregon, but it was paying attention to the sky. And it was after being outside of the US for a little while and seeing different patterns and places, which years down the road now, I would look back and say, oh, that's interesting. I was in a country that had almost zero cell phone towers. And that's going to be part of the conversation today. And so to be seeing different things in the sky and then coming back to the States and noticing different different patterns and, and things in the sky that, you know, you, you look at it and you just know it's not normal, not natural, clearly not natural. And so I want to say it was, a, that would have been around like the 20, about 2014, 2015. I had always, like a lot of people, I had always known about things like the dirty word chemtrails. We didn't know what it was. We didn't know what to call it. We, we technically still don't know what it is. That's one thing we'll talk about too. That's an opinion I have that a lot of people do not like, but it's this, this thing became a part of my awareness that as I was learning about the, the consciousness stuff, the energy, I was learning about money production and, you know, go learn about the Federal Reserve and you'll learn every decision that's ever been made for this country, really for this world. But on top of that, you start to learn, oh, wow, there's an energetic component to this. This isn't about money. They can always print more. I, I laugh when people tell me anything is about money because it's never about money. It's about something much bigger. But so about that time, just sort of compiling all of this information, paying attention to the sky, I hit a point of like a lot of people, I, I hit this point that was basically very depressing. Uh, I felt like I, it, it was hopeless, this idea of there was this boogeyman in the sky doing these things and that, you know, what do you do with that? And I know we'll, you'll, 
we'll go back and we'll talk about that in more detail, what I call the, the fear porn stars who keep that cycle going as people like myself are out there trying to solve the problem. But after compiling all of this stuff together and learning, you know, why I'm doing nothing here other than worrying about it, like, what can I do? And I think it would have been in 2015 that I, as dumb as it may sound, I remember doing a Google search for, can you stop chemtrails? And I came across this uh, hockey puck thing that I thought was incredibly stupid. And I just, but I, I was at a point in my life with my career that I had all this free time. I had this, I just, I, I was very lucky with both freedom with my time and my money that I was able to basically venture out and try to prove something wrong that I was learning. And one thing led to another, this was in 20, late 2015, early 2016, and I was in Chicago and I started doing the activity that we call tower busting. And, you know, it's just gradual little, little by little making these things, putting them out there in the world and utilizing them against these, what I call weapons, frequency weapons. And, you know, after putting them around so many and, and doing this thing we call gifting, putting this gift out to the world around these weapons, I started seeing a lot of changes. So I jumped in with blogging and documenting and, you know, I, I hit this point where I knew it was my, it was like, I was like, this is my purpose for whatever reason. I don't mean to sound cliche, but everyone I know does have their purpose. And I know this is at least one of mine, if not many others, but I, just really jumped in trying to prove this thing wrong. And I have a, I, I mean, I'm not going to blame astrologically, like being a Leo, that's no excuse to be a dick, but it is, I think, an excuse to be a strong willed and, and, you know, determined to prove points. And that's always been my demeanor to try and prove a point. And it, it, like I said, in this case, I was trying to prove something wrong because I thought it was so ridiculous that, you know, and, and we'll talk about this too, about the fact there's no moving parts in this. And we're so tied to this 3D reality that we have to see, you know, bells and whistles and electrical cords and jolts and, and lightning bolts and batteries and TikTok, click clock, whatever's inside moving stuff. And that if that's not there, well, this this obviously can't be working. And the, the answer to that is that this reality, as I've learned over the last, you know, six years now, this reality is so much weirder than we've ever been told. And every day I learn something new. I've bounced around between, you know, when I started in Chicago doing this with the tower busting and changing the weather, changing it for the better. Again, I was like sharing this story. I, I started running my mouth on social media. I, I, thought like this this is a, this is the way to go like this is a solution this is all about the climate stuff and and then i was learning about the frequency vibration energy consciousness this is a wake up tool and then it was like well wait a minute this is so much deeper you know a lot of people see a cell tower and they think t-mobile or at&t and when i look at those things i just think it's a soul sucker it's it this is a battle we're in a war for our soul something wants our soul and i know i'm i'm here in sedona now i've i moved here in 2018 specifically to come to the desert and expand on this and expand on work that like Wilhelm Reich should come here to research this energy, this orgone energy, as he coined the term. And in being here, I'm I'm kind of in a mecca of the 
demographic that does not want to face the reality that there is the possibility of evil that would want to inflict harm on anybody. And so that's kind of where I, you know, I'm, I'm in this daily battle where I'm not just doing the tower busting I'm, and try, I'm trying to like change the vibration and open up this pathway to our life force that's being basically sucked dry or, or terraformed, really. Everything's just like the artificial construct as we'll go into. It's something is attempting to create an artificial construct over the natural reality. And we're seeing that more prominent than ever now where people are being forced shoehorned into making the decision of which path they would like to take the natural one or this artificial nonsense so anyway over but over the last few years i mean after you know again it was it was just knowing there was a problem and just going out and testing it myself jumping in and seeing the results and then sharing those results and so now at this point fast forward six years and i hear from people all the time who have done what I did where they, they said, you know, I thought you were batshit. And I was like, this is stupid. I'm going to go prove it wrong. And they're like, well, I was pleasantly surprised too. And so now it, it adds to that pool of people, you know, comparing notes and, and basically working on turf different, you know, we all have our turf, I think, or so it seems. And so anyway, that's, yeah, that's where I am today and, and working in Arizona here. I've been doing this now here for three and a half years and you know, I know we'll talk about the 5G expansion and we'll talk about um, a lot of things like the wild, you know, wildfires and, and whatnot. But my big thing right now is really just demonstrating that deserts are not natural. And this was a concept that Wilhelm Reich had discussed that there, there's no, there's an artificial exertion that is put on the, the land to terraform it. The earth is an ecosystem. It would never kill itself. It's kind of like our human body and cancer. I and mean, I would recommend people go read the cancer biopathy that he wrote, but it's, it's this imbalance. And it's like, well, what's causing this imbalance? And what is it about this energy? And everyone's heard about the Oregon accumulator boxes that people sit inside of and that energy is harnessed. And, you know, he's, he's sort of credited, people don't like to use the term cured, but he healed a lot of people in, in terms of cancer and infertility, which are two very interesting things when you say, I mean, that is two prime examples of the life force being completely bastardized in the human body. It's out of whack. And so it, the cycle, the process isn't operating like it's supposed to. And so my goal here was to come to Arizona and to continue proving this, but also to restore it, uh, to restore the desert, because I believe this is an oasis. I'm here in Sedona. I look around and I see ancient, what I think are either ancient tree stumps, some are possibly melted buildings. I'm not even sure at this point what to, where to go half the time, because I've always been lied to, but I know that looking around, this was once the bottom of the ocean and that, you know, it's like, where did this water go? And, you know, what has caused this desertification? And in doing my projects over the last three years, specifically in earth, this project, I called it Earth Pipes Across Arizona, where I'm putting earth pipes, I should have grabbed one, or I'm putting earth pipes, Oregon earth pipes all over the state of Arizona. And with the help of, of a lot of individuals who have, who have helped me to accomplish this. And we've had tremendous results, positive results with 
one of the wettest monsoon seasons we've ever had. And we had a second spring and all this excess vegetation. And we've got animals now that have come back down from the mountains and are roaming where you can go walk through the middle of town in the middle of the day and see a herd of deer now again, which you didn't see for the last few years. The temperatures are more mild. We just had actually a bunch of snow and rain over the last few days. But but basically we're we're changing this realm, or I'm, I'm trying to, as fast as I can, trying to change this area back to what I think is an abundant oasis that that would thrive, really. I mean, there's so much energy here. There's so much just, Absolutely. I mean, yeah, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful place. And so, yeah, well, it's we, just... We've spoken to, I think, two people who you may be familiar with in that area one is Corey daniels uh, behind the phoenix enigma and he helped us understand the ancient significance of phoenix and the greater phoenix area specifically but then a lesser known guy who really blew us away on the show with his interview peter shampoo author of the gaia matrix and it's so funny because i had this conversation with peter right around the time everyone was saying hey, you got to have Mitch on the show. And I realize now you and Peter have a very similar mission, albeit you're going about it in different ways. The way Peter described it is he is reactivating a seven-pillared sky temple in the mountains of Arizona to rewater the West. Very similar, albeit a different means. I don't know the specifics of how Peter does what he does with stones, but it's absolutely fascinating that, you know, I tend to, liken it to mother earth herself sending these waves of energy calling people like mm -hmm. yourself who are brave and albeit brilliant enough to take on the task of helping mother earth with this yeah detrimental force i mean you hear people talk about all the time cities look like microchips they look like these you know really parasitic things on the planet when you see them from far away, maybe up in an airplane. But let's get into uh, Wilhelm Reich specifically before we go into what we're going on, uh, you know, what's going on now. Because I actually have been to Rangeley, Maine, the place yeah. where William Reich left all of his stuff. I believe that's the last place he lived. And synchronistically, I owned a piece of Orgone for the past 10 years of my life, it's not top grade orgone. I definitely can tell you that for sure based on the descriptions I've heard you give. But, <laughs> but some way, somehow, I think it magnetized me to go to Rangeley, Maine, and I found out, oh, wow, this is where Wilhelm Reich was. And I don't know if you've ever been up there, but it is probably <laughs> some of the most pristine air in the United States. You know, it's definitely one of these low, low light pollution zones as well. So the night sky was magnificent. But I remember having a really strong connection with Rangeley, Maine and just the purity of nature. So when I found out Wilhelm Reich was there, I'm like, well, of course, this makes so much sense. So for people who have maybe never heard of Wilhelm Reich before, can you give us an understanding on him and maybe how you first learned about him? Yeah. So it was, I mean, really it was the same time I learned about the hockey puck, which actually, let me, let me back up a second. So, because this has come up a lot actually between now and since I was on the higher side chats last month, I've heard from a few people mention, cause I had recommended people go read the book contact with space. And so I had like three or four different people who contacted me and I said, Hey Mitch, I bought that book from the museum up there. 
and from the, the Wilhelm Reich Infant Trust Museum. And they, I forget who it was on the board, had reached out to them and asked them, like, hey, we've noticed this massive, massive uptick in the sale of this book. We were just curious, you know, who, have you, did you hear this from somebody? And I had a good laugh with a couple of these folks just because I know, you know, when, when you get into Organite or what's what we call Organite, I prefer to call it just Orgone devices or tower busters and earth pipes. There's there's a difference between the two because when Reich had, when Reich was working with Orgone Energy, he was working with a way to harness it using his accumulator boxes up in Maine. And it's it's different than a piece of organite. And you'll actually find modern day, what I would call organomists. There are some that I call the poster children really for it. And they do not like organite. They do not like people who make organite. They do not believe in geoengineering. They do not believe in 5G being bad. They do not believe, there's a huge, there's, so I want to be very clear. And, and actually anything I say to on this, I put on my website so people can go and, and and learn about that more in depth because a lot of this is compiling again i had i had the freedom of time that i was taking in information from folks who were like the reich scholars and those who would be outcast by the reich scholars and so but in the case of reich you know he was working with his organ accumulators in maine and and with his cloud busters and whatnot but you know he i mean everyone knows like the generic stuff he was a protege of sigmund freud he you know, ended up getting in trouble with the government, mostly, well, the, the front page story is that the FDA didn't like what he was doing as far as healing people. If you read the Oriner experiment and contact with space, I think it goes a bit deeper than that. A lot of it has to do with the fact, like what he called energy alphas or these, we call them parasites. Now, if people hear me talk about parasites or other uh, orgone folks, who use that term, it's the idea that like he, like Reich had said, something has invaded our earthly existence. And you're going to find that a lot of the folks who are big into Reich, they don't like to, they don't like to dabble in the idea of the alien stuff. And, and that's not even really a fair word to be fair. It's not, I don't, I don't really like that word myself either, but it's the idea that there is something non- uh, non-human. There's a non-human component to this, or what I would call anti-consciousness, or outside of our natural, our natural energy. So, so anyway, the connect between the two, people are going to find that, like, you know, uh, you they're they're not identical. If Reich was alive today, you know, it would take him a while to figure out what a piece of organite was and what it was for. The idea is that when you're layering certain materials to harness this energy or accumulate this energy, these devices like what we make are also, they're layered in certain ways. And I don't just mean layered like this. I mean, they're layered in the composition of the materials they use. In this case, we're using a resin, which is a carbon-based organic material and metal of some kind. Well, when you're using metal powder and you're mixing it with resin, think of every particulate that's a layering throughout the entire web of that between a layer of resin coating each one of those molecules or each one of those flecks of, of metal. And so you get these pushing and pulling actions similar to an accumulator, uh, to an accumulator box. The idea of organite is actually it has crystals in it. So it's a little bit different. And there is debate as I, the thing is, is if we did this interview like a year ago, two years ago, I had different opinions about a lot of things. And these continue to keep evolving because you know, somewhere along the way, 
one of the folks who in, who is credited with inventing the chem buster, which is the tall copper pipe thing people have probably seen on my website that is based on the cloud buster. It's the sky cleaner. You know, Don Croft had said at times, Don Croft being the man who who's the reason we have a gifting movement or the idea of gifting and busting towers. But he had said, yeah, I'm not even sure that these need the crystals. And there's a lot, so there's a lot of experimentation with all of this stuff. But anyway, sorry, I got, I got off on a tangent there. Just in the case of Reich, you know, he, it was one of the first things I started learning about this. And I would recommend people go and read Ether, God and Devil to get started with if you're going to study him. And then the Cancer Biopathy and Contact with Space. But you know, he is as far as getting in trouble with the FDA and healing folks. If you read the Oriner experiment, I think there's a lot of connections between harnessing this life energy that he discovered and exerting it on radioactive material and vice versa. And I know somewhere I, I haven't cracked the code myself. I I've been so busy with other things. Try, I'm trying to reel myself in a bit so that I can kind of go back to like more study stuff as opposed to just like cranking out earth pipes. But I think there's a connection between harnessing orgone, harnessing our life energy into physical, what we would, I don't want to say electricity, but but the idea of like why there are energy generators on top of buildings and then pulling, you know, spires and and the copper wiring or the obelisks. And in the case, like you were talking about Peter, I would guess, you know, with, I, I need to look, I need to look into him more, but something on this planet, when it's, to, when you design things a certain way on this planet, you begin harnessing energy a certain way or conducting energy a certain way. And we're trying to like decode that. That's part of this whole thing where it's no longer just about busting towers and trying to make it rain. It's trying to figure out the deeper aspect of that because there has to be more to this than just planting earth pipes around the world it, it's a matter of like turning back on completely this this god consciousness that keeps everything in balance that something is trying so desperately to to throw off and so anyway yeah so i mean it, when you get into tower bus scene i mean i don't know i i think the stuff with reich because a lot of people write to me and they, they can, I think they confuse the two and they're not the same. Like I would recommend people go and obviously read his books. And then also there's a gentleman by the name of James DeMeo. People have probably heard of him. Uh, I would recommend going and reading the Oregon Accumulator Handbook. Uh, that's a, a big one. I, I mean, these are also, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like James, I know is not a fan of Organite specifically. You know, it's, it's part of the puzzle in order to make sense of this because it's like when you read Contact with Space and you listen to Reich talk about the things he saw in the sky. Like I know when I'm here in Sedona, we have a dark sky community and I know there are things that I've seen. There are things I aim my little space guns at and they disappear or do weird things. I have weird anomalies happen all the time, just like he did. And I think anybody who is messing around with things like organ with organite, busting towers, chem busters, or even like things like this. I mean, this is a harmonizer. You start blasting things into them through different means. You start to realize how quickly this reality is not what we've been told and so yeah it's just this like constant puzzle piece it's just puzzle pieces all you're doing is putting puzzle pieces together right and trying you know trying to figure out because i mean somebody the other day well i i still sound elitist i'm sorry i'm in my head it sounded better but i somebody just joke jokingly said like hey mitch do you think you could be the reincarnation of wilhelm reich and i 
they were the old guy. I was like, that was cute. But it's the, it's like, it's, it's bigger than that. Because I mean, I think he died in like 1957. And at that time, you know, he was dabbling in the radioactive material. He, people should look up something called Atoms for Peace. It has to do with President Eisenhower. That's a component of this too. And so it's like, I'm constantly trying to bridge a gap between what I can find through his work, but also like, I'm, I mean, I'm not gonna lie, I've been dabbling with minuscule radioactive material myself, stuff you can legally buy that's completely fine so that nobody can have a, whatever, have a fit about. But it's, you know, just trying to experiment and figure out, you know, just like the earth pipe experiment, I knew that if we gridded, like I, I see where they put these towers, they put them on certain energy points, they put them on the ley lines, they put them on water towers and around water sources. Well, we know water is a fantastic energy conductor. Water is essentially the, I think it's the key to this realm, really. It's the, the essence of life. So you start to find these patterns and you're, you just start testing against those. And it's like, oh, what a coincidence we start gridding these things in the same formations or we go to those locations that we know whether we see a tower or not we know like they probably have something hiding around here we know arizona is essentially a giant lava tube filled up with underground bases i mean like Corey, i, I have talked to Corey once i don't think he would know at this point it's been three years if he would know who i am but we we discussed actually a weird military convoy that came through Sedona years back uh, out at the Bradshaw Ranch, which we for I with unknown person have gone and, you know, tried to gift a few things around there too, because there's a lot, it's like Sasquatch country and there's just a lot of nefarious stuff. So like, you know, it's, you're just constantly testing this stuff in certain areas that, you know, they're, they're basically bastardizing that they're for whatever reason it's like they know something about this energy and we know a lot about it too we all know energy frequency vibration we know what tesla said but it's it's a lot deeper than that and it's trying to find that every day right that is really it's it's difficult you know and so well and you you make such a great such a great range of points it's hard for me to focus in on one thing but I do want to get to the actual architecture of this, because as you, you say, we have ways of figuring out what's going on with this energy grid. And I think a lot of people, especially with the popularity of a subject like Tartaria, have begun to re-examine the buildings and the way they look. And I've had a couple people on the show who've talked about the resonance architecture of certain old world structures and what it seems to me like from my perspective is that there are certain groups who have built along these energy grids for thousands of years that's what we see with the megalithic structures they're aligned why wouldn't you know let's say a group that started this country like the founding fathers freemasons or what have you you know they were certainly using these things same sort of tactics which have only evolved as time has gone on you know you look at tesla and what he was doing with the wardencliffe tower to channel energy through you know the ground with these underground channels right so it's pretty clear and peter talks a lot about that the the positions of the earth and where these sacred sites are so what i like about what you're doing is you give people sort of the tools to understand these actual and they're 
quite literally weapons. Like you said, people might look at them and think T-Mobile, AT&T, but they're weapons in this spiritual war. You know, a 5G tower, a smart meter, you know, what are the other weapons that they're using against us and how can we identify them in the landscape? Because there's one actually in my own backyard that looks like a giant golf ball. It's like a... Oh, I'm glad you told me that. Yeah. All right. Well, then we'll discuss more after the camera goes off. But um, so what I have gathered and I'm making, I mean, some people will come back and say, well, what proof do you have of this? And I would say everything I've ever done, I had to go out and prove it to myself. That's one of the first most important things about all of this, because there are people who always want you to write a million page dissertation on everything. They want you to condense it into a sentence so that they understand it and don't have to do any damn work in order to understand a thing. And if you don't do that, they're not satisfied. So to those people, I'm, I'm pretty much done with, but so go out and, and test this. So what I have found is that this is about creating a web. And I've talked with other folks about this. I mean, people who might've seen my episode with Benjamin Balderson, we talked a lot about electronic or the, the electric earth and then the battery that we live on. And the fact that you mentioned the circuit boards. I mean, if you fly in an airplane ever in the existence of ever, you've probably noticed that the ground looks like a circuit board. And so it's like, well, why? Why are these structures all positioned and put in these certain formations? Because something somewhere, whatever it is we're dealing with, understands this. And it's known this for a very long time, which is why also now, you know, fast forward over these years, I will say I laugh when I hear people think they figured it out as far as who their enemy is. I'm like, keep going, just keep going. Because it's like, this didn't start in 2001 with 9-11. This didn't start in 2020 with COVID. This didn't start in whatever, 45 or whatever it was with like, any whatever like war there is or whatever it's always been it's just it's always been same shit different day basically so in regards to these weapons i think it's about creating a web i think it's about creating a network a pathway a gateway and i have all kinds of, of reasonings behind this that i do highlight in more detail because there's not enough hours today to talk about that but you can go to my website and learn that but so the way of delivering this web is through any form of these electromagnetic weapons. And what I mean by that is, you know, if you just look at what society has in front of it right now, and it's really getting ramped up uh, a lot right now. And that is, you know, it's it's not just your tower. It's not just your golf ball. We would call that, by the way, a Nexrad tower. Some people call it Doppler radar. They call them weather stations. And they literally are that because those are what I, I call those death stars, really. Those are just massive in this That's agenda. the impression I got when it appeared a couple years ago. I started seeing it on my commute on the highway, and it's like right off the main commercial road too, which is odd, but they have it positioned in such a way that you can only see it while you're driving 70 miles an hour down this yeah. one highway. You know? <laughs> sounds, sounds like the ones here. And and they are, We've and we've gifted them, and meaning, you know, we we do our thing. You can, if anyone needs to know what that term means, you can go on my website, but we've gifted them and they are a pain. It's a lot of work, but it's not just those kinds of things. I mean, it's the Wi-Fi router that's in your house. It's the smart meter. There's a reason that there's a reason people can actually be arrested for trying to remove the smart meter off of their own house. And that sounds crazy to a lot of my mother. Actually, that was, I think one time she did think I was crazy. And I'm like, you need to pay more attention. 
because uh, if you go and just try to remove it, you'll you'll get in some serious trouble. There's a method to do all of these things, and there's a reason these methods have been put in place because they need that web. But now we're seeing it's even more like w- with COVID. Or can I, I should probably have asked this before, by the way, but I'm hoping I can say some of these trigger words. That, yeah, yeah, you know, we're not okay. Otherwise, I'll say all right. Otherwise, I'll say like Wuhan wigger or something. But when when this stuff began, you know, doing what I do, I I hear a lot of I hear from a lot of people every day, and over the course of the last two years, one of the common ones is, "Hey, Mitch, I noticed these things started popping up on my street and at my kid's school, and seeing this expansion happen very rapidly at the same time, everybody's getting sick. What a coincidence!" And so, the method of delivery—if you look at what is being put in front of people. You know, just in the last month now, there's been a massive push for this new T-Mobile beacon that you put in your house that is going to finally work with the towers that were all put up over the last two years during COVID. The ones going up on people's street street posts, it's like, well, what did you think that those were going to be for? They weren't just going up for the sake of, of going there. Now they got to get something inside your house. And the method of delivery is almost complete there. So what happens now, instead of having your internet on your, and this was a big commercial, by the way, for the Super Bowl. That's one thing I noticed this year was 5G commercials. It was insane. But the beacon that you put in your house that now, instead of running through the phone line or through the cable as internet came into the home before it's going to be kind of like a cell phone hotspot except they're not going to call it that and it's going to be working with those towers that have been positioned closer and closer and closer to your home but in addition to that you've got your you've got your apple watch that's on your wrist connected to your heart you've got your bluetooth headset that these microprocessors these these AirPods, and they're microprocessors that are inserted next to your brain. And, you know, they've, I've, I saw an alarm clock now where you and your spouse or significant other can each wear a ring on your middle finger. Well, wh- what do you think the middle finger is attached to? And it will buzz you to wake you up without waking up your partner. And I, when I saw that one, I thought, good God, like, it's, it's just going to get closer and closer and closer. And of course, now you've got the poison dart with you know, certain types of elements that are being injected into the body because somehow the wrist and the ears and the finger still aren't close enough to the mind, body, and soul. And so you pay attention to this method of delivery and it's like, look around, that stuff, these EMF toys or what I call weapons, they all are contributing to this web. And within that web, it then electrifies this atmosphere. It ionizes everything. It positively charges everything. And it just opens up a pathway to, to be like a delivery method for all kinds of stuff. I, it's a pathway. I call it the highway to hell, basically. And, and you know, for some folks, uh, you know, I, I know I sound like I might be making a, a grand assumption, but I look at so many different things. And one of those components, I was recently learning about the Amish and the idea of why they are against electricity in the first place. And I thought it's, it, it does boil down to it being demonic. And now I don't know everything about being Amish, but I do know that there's a there there. And so when you compile that with everything else that we're seeing with dirty electricity and power lines and like, why do the kids under power lines develop cancer? Is it just radioactivity mutating the cells or is it 
comparing it with Reich's work, is it more about throwing the body out of alignment, killing off the life force that comes from source and replacing it with this manipulated thing. And now that the body is out of alignment, the same way the planet's terraformed, the body's terraformed. And it starts producing these things that basically kill itself. So it's like, it's a never ending puzzle piece. But as far as the question of, of identifying these things, just look around at how they are attempting to get these microwaves, radio waves, all this, the EMF, Bluetooth, everything around you and, and getting this bubble. How are they, how are they creating this bubble? And it's really with the push of like the metaverse. And I, I can't keep up anymore that sometimes I just, when I wake up in the morning and I hear whatever is, is going, whatever the shit show is going on that day, I just have to tell them, I have to like tune it out and just say, just keep going and just go do what it is you're supposed to do. Go and bust as much of this stuff as you can, as quickly as you can. Keep fixing, improving, enhancing the weather, you know, bring back the wildlife, restructure the water and, and you know, just try to focus on that because yeah, it's, it's getting really difficult and the rate of this and the climate hoax and everything else. It's like co the COVID was a test run for a climate lockdown. And they, I think they know now that they can successfully do it. I don't know if, it, you know, I don't want to be alarmist, but I will say one thing I've noticed, and this is with Mike over at Alpha Vedic, we've both been paying attention to our rain, our precipitation, and really the entire Western side of the country. And I'm I'm pretty sure that this year they're, they are going to attempt something that we've never seen before when it comes to things like wildfires. And so I just, again, you know, it's one of the reasons it was a kind of a challenge too for us to even coordinate because I've just been that busy trying to hammer out as much as I can in the quickest amount of time possible. So yeah, when you see these things enter your life, it, at these weapons, you know, Sadly, there's not a better thing to say other than you have to say no to it and you have to get away from it. You can't, you can't consent to being a part of that. And I know one of the, one of the topics I wanted to also discuss with you today, we can I'll, we'll shoot over to it later so I don't get too much on a tangent, but that is the idea of Band-Aids. A lot of people think that certain, you know, they want the pill, they want to have it. Like if you have to say, Alexa, what is Organite? Then Organite is not for you. And if you are going to have those kinds of technologies in your life, you know, this, this is about consciousness, but if you are not able to make the right choice for, and I do think there's a right choice in this case, to make the right choice in regards to consciousness and the natural realm and saying no to this, you know, demonic nonsense, then I don't know how much this is going to help you, basically. Agreed, agreed, and I would hope that when people find the show, they're already halfway there. And uh, I think it's a good sign. I, I bet more than likely they are. But I will say, I've, I, I have, you know, I, I spoke to a brick wall for about the first five and a half years that I did this, and it was it was Chance's show on Interverse that I mean, I had a couple little things here and there, but nothing that really stuck. And it was after Chance's show that this pathway opened. And it's, and that's only been since last May. And so the amount of people, I mean, I, I get at this point, I get more emails and, and phone calls a day than I can handle. I mean, I'm like a hundred to 150 a day. And it's from a lot of people who have figured out like, oh, wow, I didn't realize that there was something I could do about this or it's, you know, and, and 
some people talking some people down off the ledge or whatever it's so it's it's a lot it's very overwhelming but yeah i mean it's most of the time i think they're pretty aware because of how they found me in this case like with your show but you'd be you'd probably still be surprised there's you know there's always going to be people out there who they want the diet pill and unfortunately that's those don't exist for anything out there. Anything that's an actual solution is work. It's always going to be work because anything we're doing is going to be work. So. Right. Well, and you, you're absolutely right. I think one of the most inspiring responses we've gotten from the show is when people go and take some research they've heard and then apply it to their own backyard. You know, in the case of my friend Michael Wan, he's sussed out, we'll say, all these really amazing things about the Susquehanna River. And uh, that's just inspiring so many people to be like, hey, I live on this river and I found, you know, this. So, you know, honing in back towards the topic I wanted to get into, and you mentioned wanting to get into it as well, you know, desertification, right? And these features of the landscape. You mentioned also that they tend to build these towers near water. What exactly is it about water or maybe what about the landscape can we maybe have in our knowledge base so we can better assess where these things might show up? Yeah. So I'm trying to think of the best way to say this. Sometimes people will put words in my mouth when I say like, you know, you should go look at this area and they'll, then they'll want to go do something and be like, Hey Mitch, here's what I did. And I'm like, no, don't, don't do that. Like, I don't know you. So like, I just, I want to be very clear. I'm not encouraging any kind of behavior when I say what I'm about to say. But in the case of the water, for me, one of the first things I learned about with water that came on my radar at the same time as tower busting was uh, Masaru Emoto. And I, I was seeing the experiment. A lot of people were using organite. I make like, you know, everyone's got their whatever's one of the things I make these little coasters that you you can put your water on it you can what we call charge the water or restructure the water and there are tests you can do with some of these devices where you're putting it in the freezer and you're freezing the water it will freeze the the structure of that scalar wave cutting through the water so when I was learning about the water and then just comparing that with like you know, if I like, if I'm researching somebody like, I always forget his first name, but I think it's John, John Levi or John Levy. I forget how to pronounce the last name too, but stuff with Sartaria and stuff with like energy conductors, buildings, things like that, monuments, connecting these things and realizing like, well, now why, what is it that these people knew that they positioned these things the way that they did? And then comparing that with something that seems like Verizon, but isn't, it's, it's like, what is it that they are positioning their stuff for? You know, we recently went to the Hoover Dam back at, it would have been, I guess now I shouldn't say recent, it was September, but around Lake Mead and, and the Hoover Dam, because Lake Mead has been supposedly low. I'm, I debate certain things with that. I know other people will argue and get super pissed at me when I say it, but we went there because we wanted to do some gifting and I was just horrified at the number of towers that are around the Hoover Dam. And actually I noticed the Hoover Dam had these look for, because I noticed them in St. George, Utah as well. We were in St. George uh, a few days before and I noticed these white billboards look for 
and blank white billboards they're like large squares positioned they look i mean they look like an empty billboard and you can tell on the backs they're they're wired to something like with the towers and they're positioned in a way that they aim down in like the in, in st george's down in the in the valley and so they're reflecting something they're doing something to uh, reroute or or enhance. I don't know exactly what they're doing. The EMF readings on them are insane. So, you know, we notice those around like the Hoover Dam. And so it's like when you see stuff like that, you just pay attention to like why, ask the question of why this stuff would be on there. You know, there's forests you go to up here towards Flagstaff that there's nobody around. And I know that the deer don't need 5G and you'll find go for a walk here for a couple hours and you'll find all kinds of stuff on the, the hiking paths. I mean, the desert here, we're in a prime location to be able to find some very nefarious things out in the middle of nowhere. And we found it time and again. And it's like, well, I know that, you know, someone could say, well, there's probably something there. It's probably underground. And I'd say, yeah, you're probably right. But as far as then that asks the question, why is this here? Who's it for? It's like, it's always, the answer to everything is always so you can, this is so you can download your movie faster. How many, seriously, like that's the answer to everything. Every single time is you can download your movie faster now. Bullshit. Faster so the you, propaganda can get into your brain and distract yeah. you from all this stuff. <laughs> Working with everything else you've been poisoned with, you know, because everything you can do to manipulate your genetic material. There's no coincidence you get on a giant microwave zapper just before getting on a metal tube with wings and being hurled through the sky with a bunch of miserable people who have just spent three hours waiting at a miserable location being treated miserably. You know, it's like energy conductor. It's nothing but an energy conductor. And, uh, and so you have to look at, for, for me, all of this work I've done, like, I don't know everything about chemtrails, but I know that I know more about chemtrails now than I did learning about the patents or learning about what it is the government at least says that they're spraying me with. And this is through experimentation, right? We're, we're... Well, yeah, because if you, so I, I tell people, go to, go to my website and on the top of the page on the Oregon, or sorry, on the geoengineering tab at the top, there's a drop down that says best of chemtrails. And I've got some, I've got some doozies there as far as things breaking down. And I would challenge anyone to argue that that is either water vapor or that that is aluminum, barium, and strontium. And so when you start getting into the stuff about the energy and the microwaves and the and what's being blasted against the ionosphere it's like this is this is more than like a metal particulate just coming out of the back of the plane and then again you go back and compare it with you know these alphas that that Wilhelm Reich saw fall out of the sky you know the term chemtrail didn't exist back in 1940 but or 47 but you know it's I, I'm, I think he probably saw a lot of the same things that we see in the sky. I also know that a lot of the planes, things that I see in the sky that look like planes, you know, people talk about Project Bluebeam coming and it's already here. I don't know why anyway. They're always, you know, we always say like, oh, you know, they're like 200 years ahead of us with technology. That's true. It's probably more. And so that means everything. 
every everything and so that would also include things that you may see in the sky and so i don't know you know nobody's ever actually followed behind an airplane and captured the particulate themselves or at least proven that to be able to to completely say without a doubt that this is aluminum barium and strontium we know that the government tests us with things but we also know we've been terraformed for eons we've been reset god knows how many times it's like there's a lot of different delivery methods for getting things into the soil or the water. It could be as simple as, you know, going into the water with something and blowing it up like the military just did a few months ago. So it's like these these ideas that, you know, basically with, with the geoengineering thing and the chemtrails, it's like I've learned more about that really, really in that I know less. It's like the more you learn, the less you know. And I heard another Oregon folk tell me another person who's who's avid with tower busting who once said we don't really know we truly don't know what chemtrails are and we probably won't and maybe we're not supposed to but for whatever reason we do know that there is a connection with these tools that they put on the ground and the tools we use against those tools where we see these habitual patterns these consistencies and so by deductive reasoning and experimentation we can figure out like okay well i know when you start planting earth pipes all over phoenix and tucson arizona and cutting through everywhere where the jet stream moves into the state and then work your way up and just saturate all these different communities and bust what we do call tower busting, gifting these towers, then all of a sudden it's like we've got primary water coming to the surface. We've got more rain than we know what to do with. We've got more vegetation. We've had, we had a butterfly boom that was insane. Uh, things like bees and butterflies and hummingbirds and things that operate their migratory pattern on electromagnetics. And so, again, it's like just puzzle piece after puzzle piece after puzzle piece that, you know, that's where I am. I know, like, we can restore this realm against something that's trying to destroy it. But as far as knowing exactly what it is we're dealing with, I mean, it's always, it's just, we just know a little bit more every day. And I, I'm at the point where two years ago, if you asked me questions, I'd, I'd tell you an answer and I'd be like stamp seal of approval. And now I'm like, I don't know about that because of what I've learned since. So, right. Well, let's get into maybe what we, even if we can't say for sure, what we've seen so far, I've heard you talk about, and of course this may have changed, but we, we've, seen the difference between smog or this dead, clearly dead energy that these devices are emitting and what the orgone devices are accumulating, right? And it seems like whatever their methods are, whoever is behind it, you know, that's not our objective. What we see is that there's a process that we can get in between and experiment to find an outcome that's more beneficial than the one that, you know, whoever it is, military or what have you, is uh, is giving us, right? Because, I mean, more often than not, it seems like they have no regard for nature or the planet. I mean, we all have heard the statistic that the U.S. military is the number one polluter and all that. But when it comes to, you know, the differences between smog and this organic energy, what can be said? 
So the the smog you're referring to, we call it DOR. Uh, Reich coined that term. He it was it meant deadly orgon radiation, and it's not actually orgone. It's it's like anti-orgon. It's a lifeless energy field, and I think most people with you know even a partial consciousness intact right now, they would know based on how they feel when they see that stuff, when they're experiencing that stuff. But it's like an it's electrosmog. And it hovers over, you know, densely electrified areas. One of the quickest ways to know that when something's fake and not really real fog is to start putting some of these devices around, go, go find your intense locations, your golf balls, your nuclear power plants, and start distributing these devices around to transmute the signal that feeds the network that that manifests that deadly orgone radiation in the first place. I, I was going to, what was I going to say about the smog? I just had something and I lost my train of thought. I'll come back to that. But I have some videos on my website where, you know, I, I don't watch the sky. I don't have time to watch the sky every minute of the day. Like I used to, I mean, I used to be, it was eight hours a day, just being outside doing that. And it's, it, not destroyed me, but there are videos on my website where I have shown time lapse of this electrosmog manifesting. And I'm always telling people, like, I'm, I'm trying to tell people what to look for. Because when you start explaining things like, oh, well, they block the sun, and people would say, oh, well, yeah, I see them. They go crisscross with their chemtrails and whatever. And I'm like, no, there are days that there's no chemtrails involved at all. And then if you if you watch it and you time lapse the sky, you can watch this stuff. It manifests out of nowhere. And all of a sudden the blue sky is gone and you've got this white, whitish gray just ugly blotch oil slick looking canopy that's covered over the sun. Sometimes it's big and everyone can take pictures and see the sunset. And we know like that's another component we'll go into is sunsets and sunrises. They intentionally block. Yes, they are as aware as we are that it is beneficial to view the sun in those prime times for sun gazing for obvious reasons that have to do with our consciousness and DNA and all that. But the 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 things when people do look at the sky, it's usually like at that point, it's completely blotched out. And what I'm saying is that there are times, and this is every day, even today, I noticed we had a crystal clear blue today with some what looked like clouds, but I know they were fake clouds. And I'm I pride myself. I think I can identify fake clouds pretty well that other people, I see pictures on Instagram all the time and they're like, you know, I'll finally got some real clouds. I'm like, those aren't real. And you can tell they're not real based on if you time-lapse the sky, watch where they go, watch how they, it doesn't matter what position, doesn't matter the wind direction, it doesn't matter anything. They will always gravitate towards the sun as the sun moves through the sky throughout the day. And they will try at some point at some way, shape, or form, they will try to obstruct the sun for as long as they can, even if they don't successfully do it, where, you know, you can be outside on a hot, sunny day, and everyone else is having a great time and whatever, and, and I'm looking up, and I'm like, you can see the faint off it's like off blue. It's very pale sky blue because you can tell there's an energy barrier up there and they're shielding something from coming in. And it's more than, my guess is it's something that would be very beneficial to us that is probably, again, connected to this cosmic energy and consciousness. But when you really look for it and and you'll get really, I, th I think once you start looking for it, you'll get better and better at it. And you'll be like, oh, because it's every day. 
every single day. It doesn't matter how blue the sky is. You'll see it when you look for it. But I have some videos on my website I recommend that are time-lapsed and showing it literally like manifesting very thick right in front of the sun out of nowhere. It's just not, it's just all blue around, but it's right over the sun and it just keeps going. And on, every time this blotched, it's trying, it's like tumbling because I've got my chem busters outside all positioned on that area to try and disintegrate it. Or I've got all of these devices in my home aimed and positioned at it to try and disintegrate it. So it's like this ongoing battle, but you can see as the sun moves, it just, it's like only over the sun. It's all day long. What are the odds all day only over the sun? Well, or that no, and yeah. to your point, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with this theory. I don't quite remember. It could have been Crow Triple Seven who talked about this, and this is where I heard it from. But I remember. I mean, I was born in 1994. I remember the the sunsets being or having more of a golden quality to them. And it seems like, and I've even seen like somebody suggest that scientists are saying the sun's turning white. It's evolving to be white somehow through its evolution as a star. But what can be said about like the sun and its healing qualities? Cause it's clear that they're trying to block it. I mean, I've seen the same yeah. thing myself, you know, it's really, it's not, it's not easy to see a sunset anymore. It seems the clouds are just always there. Yeah. So when I started doing this in Chicago, there were many times it was super easy to see the obstruction with the sunrise because you could look out over Lake Michigan. And so it, it was, it was about the same time. I mean, the, when I mentioned going to another country, we went to Costa Rica. I saw the full moon for the first time in nine years, 10 years at that time. And it had clicked in my head that the whole time I'd lived in Chicago, I was like, I'm never, I, I can't remember seeing a full moon. And that's when I was starting to pay attention to like what's being obstructed. Well, then along came the sunrises and sunsets and noticing that it's not just crisscrossing and whatever, that it's these blotches, these patches. And so part of the, puzzle that I came across as I was trying, you know, again, learning about like the energy and the water and then just everything. Uh, part of that was these cultures that sun gazed and that uh, it was, so I just started timing it and it was like, I could position a chem buster, the tall six foot, eight foot things that are out in the yard. I could position those in a way to aim them like a bazooka at these blotches that were covering the sun and watch them in real time disintegrating. And it's like, and then you, but what you would see is like, if you is like, I, let's say I'm the, I'm the view you're seeing of the sun and here's the sun. And you'd see these things, you might cut right through them. And all of a sudden you see the sun. And now all of a sudden you could just see it like almost like magnetically just slowly coming together over a few minutes and boom, the sun was gone again. Then the sun would from the point of angle, I don't care what anyone thinks about the shape, but the, from the angle they are, the sun would probably pop back out and you just start to see they would move back with it. And they would just, it was constantly going for, for the sun. So as far as like, I mean, I don't know enough about sun gazing. I have heard everything about DNA repair. I've heard, you know, that you want to not just view the sun like with your eye, but like you want to like roll your eyes back and get the light back there. I, I don't know. I mean, there's not really my purview, but the consistencies of, of watching that and then comparing it to these cultures, it's like, well, I don't know. I am assuming these cultures knew something the same way that the ones who built these structures that have these energy conductors on top knew something. And so, you know, it's like, 
again, it's just you put enough puzzle pieces together. And I've, I've used this analogy a lot, so I apologize anyone who's heard it ad nauseum. But the puzzle pieces, as you flip them over, there's always another one or another two pieces. And when you flip this one over and finally get it, and as you put the picture together, it does not match the box. But you know that like what you're seeing here, it's like you know you're on the right path because there's all these consistencies. And so it's like, what is it they're doing to the water to destructure it? What is it they're doing to block the light? What is it they're doing to destructure the rainfall that would be coming? You know, it's like at the heart of everything. And this is why I feel like I know more about chemtrails now is that this is an energetic war. This is an energetic thing. And when you compare it to 2021 and 2022 with the the poison dart, the idea of injecting things and DNA modification, it's like, well, gee, you know, this puzzle piece kind of makes me think more about the, the restructuring of DNA using different frequencies that are allegedly coming in with the sun. So what is it? It's It's like this world is changing at some point and the reason I think it's becoming such a shit show is that it's getting harder and harder to put us back to sleep at this point. And I think that this tool is is a great way to help uncover that and speed up that process because they just, everywhere you look, there's a new weapon being used to try and put you back to sleep. So I, sorry, it's not the, I only kind of partially answered that as far as the sun. I don't know everything about the, what it's doing, but I, you know, I know I feel really good after sun gazing and we're very lucky here in Sedona. And really, I mean, I know there's not an inch of ground within like 50 miles of me that doesn't have organite around it, but we get some pretty good sunsets and we, and we get some good, good viewing. And so, you know, I just intuitively, I'm guessing, I know there's a there there. So, right. Well, let's get into the, you know, devices themselves because I yeah. make jewelry. I, you know, do these wire wraps and been doing them for a while. And I definitely find that the copper uh, is kind of like the best medium. I only use copper typically. And I don't know the specifics or the science behind it. And to be quite honest, not to you, but to the listeners who might have an objection, I don't really care that I don't know the science because I have a fe- I have a feeling, you know, it's sort of been proven to me through experience. And I, I get that same resonance from you. You know, I, I understand there's probably a lot of people that come and voice their skepticism to you. And unfortunately, sometimes, you know, it's the people with the least to say who can be the loudest voices. And, right. you know, that is unfortunate. So if anybody has any, you know, questions about the devices and whatnot, just join the Telegram and I'll explain it to you. Leave Mitch alone. He's saving the planet. <laughs> he doesn't need he doesn't need your your questions. He's done enough podcast he's explained himself but I, I love these plates i'm looking at the website right now and you showed us the you know coaster right mm-hmm. what can people do if they want to start making these themselves maybe yeah. just like for my purposes is maybe to make new jewelry or or even to bust towers and and save the planet quite frankly. Well, I know I'm going to get the question, so I will answer this one quick. And that is, so I used to actually make a lot more and I stretched myself way too thin. My, my shtick has always been trying to, I mean, it's been tower busting, trying to make things that are a bit more tactical. Although there are, like you said, those plates there. I, I love those things. There are plates and pyramids and pendants and things like that, that I've made just right now. I'm kind of on a, I'm on a break uh, until I can 
get more of my earth pipes in the ground. But my big thing is if you go to my website, there is a tutorials page underneath of the Oregon Energy tab at the top. And the at the heart of that is the three basic tools. One is the tower buster. That is the hockey puck that we have. And the other one is the earth pipe. I only have an aluminum with me, but I also have copper. I just don't have any with they've all been sent out but there's the tower busters there's the earth pipes and then the chem busters and the reason it's called the chem buster if people aren't familiar it's busting the chemtrails and this is why people should go to that page on under the geoengineering tab that says best of chemtrails that's what happens when you just look at look at those uh, or they're also i've got some on my home page too you just can scroll down from from visiting the, the main page on my website but that's what happens to chemtrails when you start busting towers and installing a chem buster in your yard and so those are based on the cloud buster from wilhelm reich although there's um there's a difference in how they operate and there are plenty of very, very strong opinions on how they work differently and that one or the other does or doesn't work. So anyway, go to the website as far as the tutorials. The main components you're going to need are your organic and inorganic elements, which like you know, comes in the form of a catalyzing resin. Those are typically oil derived. There's a reason because oil is magic, magic juice from the planet. And I know there's a lot of debates on that too. I get that question a lot because people, they, they look at in the scheme of pros and cons, they only look at the cons and, you know, we're, we're making a device that is meant to withstand the elements that is meant to be around because those towers are not going anywhere anytime soon, unless people get off their butts and, and take, more extreme measures and I'm not encouraging behavior, but so, so the point is when people hear the oil or they hear resin and they think plastic, I'm like, I don't know, get off your high horse and look at the environmental impact that it actually benefits over the, you know, if you go and bury something out in the woods or in in your yard or whatever, the impact of that versus the alternative when those towers are doing what they do to terraform the planet. I think, you know, I'm just saying, I see things differently than a lot of people I think want to want to see them. So you get your resins, you get your metals, the metals come in the form of shavings and powders, smaller metal, the better the metal. And then you want to have some form of quartz crystals, and I mean, you don't need anything huge, just like for a tower buster, you can use uh, crushed quartz, something you can break it down yourself. You can go, a lot of people find it outside. I mean, where I am, I've, I don't really find much outside here in Arizona, but you know, there are a lot of places. I mean, I, if you're in Arkansas, I'm sure you can go out and find some quartz pretty easily, but you know, you don't need a lot of this stuff. You know, you can be tactical, you can be economical about it. I try to offer both, but my my shtick is trying to show the tutorials on, like I have an earth pipe video that I think is pretty top notch. And so I tell people, you know, my, my big thing is earth pipes. I think that, you know, I, when I started looking at the pattern of where these towers were and the cables that go into the ground, and then I was looking at Tesla's, his papers on the wireless energy and how you've got two towers positioned and anything in between those two towers can be powered wirelessly. And it's like, well, those towers are connecting through the atmosphere, but they're also connecting through the earth. 
And so I'm like, okay, well, these towers are talking to each other. And I'm not saying cell towers and Tesla towers are the same. I'm just saying that I know that the cell phone towers are talking to each other. You can go out here and see some pretty heavy militarized stuff. Like it, it looks like large drums, like like band drums, like two, whatever, like bass drums that are perched on the sides of these towers and their position like a cylinder on the side of a tower well, go look at where those towers. I guarantee if you find a cell tower that has one of those drones positioned, look at what way it's aimed at from that circular disc and then go go to wherever that is pointing. You're gonna, I guarantee you, you're gonna find another tower with another one on it that's aimed directly at it. However, but they're they're pinpointing each other and they're talking to each other. It's actually really good to grid earth pipes or, or tower busters between those as well. So anyway, sorry, I'm, I'm all over the place again. No, it's all right. Uh, so we're talking but, about when, just to be clear, we're talking about these devices. When, when we say grid, we're talking about actually planting them in the ground, right? And when yeah, we do so, that, is there yeah. a specific depth? Are we only burying them so far enough so they don't get uncovered or you know can you just chuck one into a bush you know an area where it's like thick with bush you know what what's so the here, yeah what's so the here's protocol? where yeah here's where i give a, a little disclaimer because i get asked this question this is at the top of the top five questions i get asked and again i don't condone anybody do anything like what you do with this stuff in your free time is entirely up to you. It has nothing to do with me. You do not have to bury tower busters in order for them to operate. So the hockey pucks, this, it, it can go anywhere. I mean, and if you're chucking it, that's fine. You know, I know some people who have who've mentioned potato guns. I don't know if I'd recommend that for everybody, but like ways to launch. If you're going to be somewhere, I'm just saying be safe, but you don't have to bury them. They can literally go anywhere. The tower buster is meant to be versatile. And so, yeah, you, it, whether it's in the ground or not, doesn't matter. You put them around your home, you put them, you know, if you were going to grid your home with with tower busters, you put one near your Wi-Fi, which, which really your internet should be wired anyway. But if, you know, have them near your Wi-Fi, put one near your smart meter if you have a smart meter, and then put one near where you sleep. Those are the three places I recommend first, and then scatter anything else around. But for the earth pipes, the earth pipes, in order for them to work the best, they have to be tapped into the ground and, and make as much direct contact with the soil as they can. And so you, you know, it's kind of like a tent stake, I say, and you're hammering it down into the ground. Or in my case, here in the desert, we you know you might want to use a power drill with like a one inch drill bit to give yourself you know makes it way easier. Some people will I've people write to me all the time and they'll be like, oh, I tried it this way. I'm like, that's great. Like you'll get intuitive, you'll get creative with it. You can dig a hole, you can hit it down with a mallet. But but the idea is that an earth pipe should be buried in the earth, and when you can't get it into the ground the range on these things is pretty significant so you would just you know pull it back out and find a new place i mean there's really not a wrong place to put it and and so yeah i tell people you know sometimes third time is the charm if you start hitting rocks like we might once in a while out in the desert so and then the chem busters the giant tall things i've got some very detailed instructions about those on my website as well i don't have videos on that i know if you look up there when I started, there were not a lot of people doing this. There were like four people that I would have called my like go-to people. And there was like a forum, but it was just, there were so many conflicting opinions, too many cooks in the kitchen. There was a lot of infighting. 
And I just, again, it's, I just had this mentality, like I got to go and do this myself. And, and I do encourage that with people. The idea of this is like no movements. Don't it, movements get infiltrated time and again. Don't ever go gifting with somebody you don't trust implicitly. I mean, that you don't trust with your life because there are people who've done some really stupid things and gotten into some really stupid situations because they, they got lied to where somebody gave them the impression that they wanted to help and it doesn't, no, do not under any circumstances ever go tower busting with anybody that you wouldn't trust with your life. Uh, and that's not meant, don't interpret that to mean that this is dangerous. That's no, on the contrary, it's a, it's a fairly fun activity that has its ups and downs as far as stress level, but like it's, it's meant to be liberating and exciting and, and whatnot. You just have to not be stupid about it. That's the thing. So, but anyway, I, the, the tutorials on the chem busters are very detailed. I would recommend everybody on earth get a chem buster and put it in their yard. And again, those are the six foot tall copper pipe things. I've got instructions for three different models that you can print out and you know, I, I try to answer questions as much as I can. So people do, I, well, so if you want to get to the top of the list, write to me and ask me questions about the combusters. Those always get answered first because those are really big game changers. I mean, those, those will affect a small community and they're really, I mean, they're not cheap to make, but they can be made very economically. So. Right on. And another question that comes to mind on the topic of do it yourself, um, you know, I have a lot of crystals from quartz to, you know, all sorts of ones that might not be as tactical. I know quartz is kind of unique, but what about, let's say, similar crystals like citrine or amethyst? I mean, how how creative can people get with the crystal aspect of the yeah. device? So I've had some very expensive, expensive mess ups over the years. And so I would tell people, um, you know, there's different resins to work with when you're doing something that I would say is tactical and for gifting. Like if you're going to make a bunch of stuff and go venture out tower busting, save your, save your citrine and save your amethyst, keep it simple. When you're making things that you're going to enjoy in your home, then definitely, I mean, this is one of my favorites and it's hard to see because my lighting's so poor, but like I've got turquoise and lapis and, you know, just a spiny oyster shell, which I love putting in stuff. And I mean, some of these things, like they're not necessary, but when you're making pieces like that, you're using uh, a casting resin or a clear, an epoxy, you know, sorry, I, I'm sorry. I lost the question. Just that you're answering you know, it. Yeah. It's, it's just, uh, you know, how creative can we get with the crystals be, we use? You can be really, I mean, the sky's the limit. My question for myself all the time is, will it organize? And so it's like, you can, I mean, I have all kinds of things I make on the side. I mean, as far as my shop, I keep it simple right now, but I do hope to get back into, because there are some beautiful pieces and people have heard me. This is a, a thing I talk about a lot. I think I'm becoming known as the guy that bitches about it. Organot, the organite that doesn't have enough metal in it. And a lot of us who are tower busting, I'm just gonna say no comment. <laughs> but so, so um, you know, if you're if your your purpose is to go and bust towers with this, and so if that's the case, like 
you know, you want to make sure you have enough metal in it. It's not really so much important about the crystals, just some form of quartz. And in the case of the citrine, I mean, citrine and amethyst, you know, as I do, like it is quartz. So it's still got that component in there. You know, there's a lot of talk. And actually, I kind of, I want to touch on this because it's a common question about how organite works. And this was an answer I used to think I knew definitively. And I... I'm not sure. I'm actually more on the fence now because of conversations with other tower buster, with other organ workers who have discussed, do we even need it where these other components are in there that are basically unclogging the energy field anyway? But then we know that quartz is piezoelectric, that we know the resins do exert a small amount of pressure on it. I know that I've had strange things happen to me when I crush a lot of my quartz crystals and I'm hitting, you know, putting enough pressure on with a, with a sledgehammer. So there, there's just, there's all these different possibilities, but people talk about the crystal actually restructuring the signal and spitting out the new frequency, whereas the metals and the resins are pushing and pulling this energy kind of like a filter an energy field filter. So you put enough of these things around a cell tower, like I, I'd recommend at least three per tower. Some people say one and I'm, I'm like, have you seen a cell tower? They're massive. I wouldn't, at this point, I would say three uh, or more. And as that energy field from the tower is being sucked in, to this thing it's spitting out something else so there and there and there are people like carol croft she was a don croft's wife and, and a psychic and she's really she's one of the pioneers of the gifting movement we owe her a debt of gratitude as far as i'm concerned and she claimed to be able to see this energy that came off of the towers and how that energy field changed after you put these things around those towers that it instead of being this gray lifeless haze or this gray lifeless energy field that it was like a really nice blue, almost like the sky. And then you get in, I mean, again, another puzzle piece. What is it that this makes the sky blue? And could there be, I, I've wondered, is there an energy field? You know, it's our top-notch energy days are when it's crystal clear. And when that's covered with a barrier or a shield, we have a different energy flow those days. So anyway, this, the whole idea of like how it works is I, I think it's, more fair to say it's still up for debate, but I know there's other people. So many cooks in the kitchen. I know there's people that will hate me for saying that, but I can't really do anything about it. So, well, no worries. I think that's, you know, that's to be expected when you do something great. You're always going to have detractors and you can never cater to your haters. That's something that I have <laughs> learned. So, but I want to ask you, maybe this is out of nowhere. Are you familiar with Edward Abbey and his book, The Monkey Wrench Gang? No, but I want to write that down. Please do look it up because it is about a group of, for lack of a better term, environmental activists who are basically fighting those who seek to develop the American Southwest. And Edward Abbey was an explorer and, you know, in a time when, you know, not many uh, people would uh, trek in that area. He was going out and exploring the, the deserts. And I want to bring it back to that topic because it does seem like when you look at the globe or the planet that there's this line of deserts across the planet in this region where, you know, 
When we look at things like, you know, the pre-Diluvian times with Atlantis, we hear that maybe the Sahara Desert was actually a paradise. I would say the same is probably true for, you know, the deserts to the west all the way here in the United States, and even maybe as far as the east to bring Tartaria back up. I mean, the Gobi Desert is a huge desert as well, and that's kind of in the realm of Tartaria different conversation, but when it pertains to North America, you know, what can be said about the desert there and, you know, maybe the mystical aspects of it, but even, you know, the possibility that this is not a natural thing on the planet. Yeah. I mean, for, for me, just looking out my window and seeing what I think is a massive tree stump, which was red three years ago, and now it's covered in green. I had a conversation with, with Greg Carlwood about it. My I'm not saying this is exactly what is true. I'm saying this is a theory I have that the possibility that petrified wood can basically become unpetrified when you change these energy signatures back to what I think is the natural energy signature that would have killed this or not even killed it, but made it dormant in the first place. And so when I travel around even just here in Sedona and can see some of the trees that have no soil, very little water, if any, to ever feed them, they're just, but but they're twisted and spiraling out of the rocks and they look like they're dead, but they're not. Um, I think it's, it's, it's complete, it's just energy that's keeping them alive. And they're part of that rock that may have at one time been a bigger tree. So in the case of like this land, you know, when you venture out into the desert, there's a lot of like, just if you look at the old architecture of it, like we going from when we went from St. George to Vegas back in September, and this was on our way home where we went to the Hoover Dam, just driving through driving on the interstate and looking around seeing like the the indentations in the rocks and knowing where the water levels were. And, and then thinking like, where did this water go? Or when I think about like New Mexico. So I think, I think Arizona, New Mexico, California, California, Nevada, Colorado, Idaho, and then of course the Pacific Northwest. And it's all like, there's something about this side of the country. I'm biased towards this side because I'm here, I guess, but there's something about this side of the country and whatever it is, it's underground and trying to terraform it. And I think it's bigger than agenda 2030 and just huddling people off to wherever and getting closer and closer to the center of the country but even like new mexico is called the land of enchantment and i'm like well that's an interesting name for it that i think there's something there as a clue for us and you know the the sage the sagebrush is very i mean that's quite abundant there and i think about well what do we what do we do with sage we use it for energy purposes we use it to cleanse and smudge and whatever you know where is it that these alien sightings are happening where is it all this military research is happening where is it where all the weirdest of the weirdest of the weirdest keeps happening or it gets talked about and it's it's always in these same areas and so when you look at agendas and what's being ramped up i mean nevada I think is, 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 is very important and looks like of everywhere I've been in the U S Nevada seems more like the battery than anywhere. And it has a, a city there they call sin city. That is, I don't know how the energy flow is. If it's going from Vegas to the Hoover dam, 
but I think that like, there, there are energy points and there is this esoteric and occult symbolism that is engraved in all this stuff, whether it's like Hollywood or, I mean, Phoenix. There's so many, I've actually listened to Corey Daniels because of the, the esoteric side to this entire state. I've watched episodes of his learning about underground military bases as a, as a clue on where I should probably be going to grid my earth pipes. I also use Michael Wan's work with his friend, Emily Moyer. And actually that was our most recent gifting effort to go down. They were talking about Tombstone, Arizona and Wilcox and Bisbee and, and down near the border. And so we find these areas. I mean, again, it's like puzzle pieces, puzzle pieces, puzzle pieces. So taking all this information about this land and the weird anomalies that everybody has and the the intuitions we all have, the ancient cultures who are here, that what's been left behind and just compiling it all together and saying, okay, there's something very significant about this plot of, of earth that they want to do something. What they want, what, for whatever reason, whether I, I think it's safe to just say they want to kill it, but I think they're they're harnessing the energy from it. And I think there are actually places in this world like the Sahara that have been stripped completely. Like they it, like for whatever reason it used to feed whatever. And then it's like it's it's probably done at this point. And and maybe I think it can be reversed. And I know somebody in Africa by the name George Richel of Organize Africa that I highly recommend people check out because he's one of the inspirations on why I do what I do. And he's been gifting since like 2002. But um, these places have had their life force just completely annihilated. And it's like, well, then, so what is it that's so important? What's so special? That's so it's, yeah, just compiling all of that together. And it's call it duck a duck or whatever the phrase is. So Right on. Yeah, definitely. I, I'm inspired. Like I said, I want to help out. I know, you know, this side of the planet isn't, isn't so much a desert, but we definitely have a lot of polluted waterways. And I wonder if, you know, having a higher rainfall level per, per year would help to, you know, cleanse the earth, so to speak. I mean, where I live in particular, is pretty uh, well known that there were a lot of gun factories in the area up until, you know, World War II, and that contributed to terrible lead poisoning in all of the rivers, which bled into the Long Island Sound. And, you know, as much as people sit on the beach and tan, it's really not encouraged to swim in <laughs> the Long Island Sound for that reason. It has a bad reputation. I still swim there. I'm not afraid of it, but it's definitely, you know, I think... What's exciting about what you're doing is the potential for experimentation. But I also wonder, you know, is there a part of you that thinks, well, if we're going to be, and again, I know you don't recommend, I don't want anyone to feel like we're recommending they go and do something. But if we, if we bust these towers, do you think that will somehow amplify their efforts? Like they see that their towers aren't working and now they have to go and try something new or, I mean, what are your thoughts? I mean, we have to think like they do 5d chess, right? Yeah. I think that but actually that's a really good question because what I see, and this is not, it's because it's not just me. I see so many people who are busting towers. I see this spreading exponentially, especially in the U.S. And on the flip side, what I see is them, they, what I would call the parasites being backed into a corner 
because for in my book, the frequency war is the only war that there is. That none of the other tools work. The fluoride doesn't work. The GMOs won't work. Even the chemtrails, I don't think, are going to work. Not like people think. And so what's going to happen is they're going to, I think, get pushed in. I, I see them daily being pushed in between a rock and a hard place. And I think that's one reason why part of this is such a shit show. Because And, and it makes no sense. I mean, we live in a circus that is like every day it's like how do we top the twilight zone it's almost like a challenge that these people have, or these things have taken every day they try to top themselves and so with what i see is the advancement of like in this case the climate hoax it's why you know again i i don't want to be alarmist because i typically am telling people stop listening to the fear porn and just start Start small, start in your community, go bust the towers in your community, share this stuff with your friends and family and create a grid and just work your way outward. And before long, it's like, I was, I was really frustrated when I started, but I was like, just keep, just stick with it. And I look back and I think, good God, I can't believe all of the, like everything I've been able to accomplish with this. And so it's like, that's what I tell anybody is start small, work your way out and it'll get done. But what I see happening and I'm seeing because I get a lot of feedback from people all over really the world who, who are curious about this or getting into it. It's advancing at such a rate that I think the desperation will become so intense that I do, I foresee, and I'm not trying to manifest this, but I, I foresee something significant that's going to happen or attempt to happen in the next what is it? We're in February. So I'm going to guess before June of them starting a fire that is on such a level that this country's never seen. They've been diverting as much rain as they can to the Northeast and hitting them with things and calling. You know, listen to how they, how they call, how they name things when it comes to the weather. It's a nor'easter. It's a bomb cyclone. It's a atmospheric river. Anything they can. I mean, it's like, you know what it is? Precipitation. It's water. You know what else it is? It's weather. That's it. And so these, these instances where they're like diverting as much of the water or moisture from over here, trying to uh, get as much of it to pass over when these cells are forming and move this energy so that it starts hitting areas where it's not needed. It's not useful. It's not benefiting anybody. And they just have been moving all of this rain to places where, or, or snow or whatever. And you know, I was talking with one of my parents the other day, they're in Nebraska and they've had a fairly, I mean, it's usually cold in Nebraska in the winter. It, it sucked in the winter, every winter. And it was usually pretty snowy. Snow days were a normal thing growing up. And I think they said there were like three inches of snow so far this year and that it was 70 degrees. And I thought, how interesting, like, cause we're, it's freezing here. I mean, it's getting colder and colder in the desert. And every year I've lived here, we have to run our heat more and more, which I find interesting. Cause also it's like, you mentioned the sun turning white. Is there, is there something going on? Are the energy fields different? Where are the poles shifting? Is there a grand solar minimum? Maybe, maybe not. I, who knows? Because we've been lied to so much. Is the U.S. Navy or Air Force map or whatever that shows this will all be underwater someday? Is that true? Maybe, maybe not. It's like there's so much that's advancing so fast that this is why 
I'm getting, I'm coming to this conclusion where I'm like, they're going to do for the name of the game is not to kill you. The name of the game is to make you keep you alive, but not living because that's how they get your energy. They need your energy to survive. They can't kill you. Zombification. Exactly. That's a good word. Zombification. I'll start. I'm going to start using And that. you know what? It is an actual word. You can look. I think it's in the dictionary. But another word for it is apoplexy. Uh, I read that in a book recently. But yeah, it, you know, and yeah, I totally agree with you. They're trying their hardest to zombify us little by yeah. little and more and more each day. But- I mean, I, I like to think that Having done this as long as I have, and I, again, you know, I talk to other people who I'm not the only person in the U.S. doing this. I just have a loud mouth. And to the others who are doing this, we all see the same patterns. I know that you know we all are kind of not waiting, but wondering like, well, what's what's this shit show going to have tomorrow? Because the Greta Brigade can't. I know here in Arizona, for example, like. You, when we first moved here in 2018, the drought ended by 2019. We'd been gifting pretty heavily for the first year that we were here. And it's funny that even though it was one of the wettest years on record, and again, now here, even three years later, one of the wettest monsoon seasons ever. And we, you know, we had, we get three inches of snow in Sedona a year. That's the average. And the first year I lived here, we got 18 on New Year's Eve and another like 15 to 20 in February. And it's like, well, gee, where did this like 30 plus inches come from? The Flagstaff had the longest ski season in history and it was freezing. It was cold until June. And it's like, but then how quickly everything changes when it doesn't rain for like 30 days and people are told on the news to freak out because of whatever. And it's like, pump the brakes. Like it's fine. It's chilly it's it's wet overall it's been green forever we had a second spring and it's like what i guess what i'm getting at is like we're trying to take the talking points out of what i call the greta brigade and everyone knows greta at this point but it's this idea about the climate change i call it a climate hoax because that's what it is the climate is changing I know that we're going through a cycle. I know that civilization is going through a cycle. I know that there's a reset. I know that there's frequency weapons. I know that somebody's trying to terraform the planet. And at the heart of this, I, I sense at this point, Mother Nature is pretty upset that you know it's trying its best. Where and and that's why folks like me do what we do is we go out there and we we put these devices around, we bust the towers, and we just slowly start the chain reaction on that restoration process. But I also, a very common question I get from people is, hey, if I put a chem buster outside, am I going to have flooding like you had? And the answer to that is no, because it does. a chem buster doesn't make it rain. None of this stuff makes it rain. That's not how this works. It restores the energy that that basically controls the weather so that the natural weather patterns return. So if you're being flooded, say in the Northeast, I would tell people in the Northeast, you might want to start busting towers. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of what I would call it evidence. It leads me to believe that there is a portal or a path, like the pathway, the gateway of all this that is somehow connecting everywhere where these towers are that I think they can, you know, I think they can teleport or they can, 
they're they're doing something they're creating a rift with this energy so if you say take the energy from one place well you can't energy can neither be created nor destroyed it can only be transmuted so what do you do with this energy once you've removed it from somewhere or changed it you got to put it somewhere so i think when people see rain going to other places i'm just using rain but it could be other things too but when you see things like rain in excess in these locations I think it's because it's been pulled, it's been taken from somewhere else. And the longer I've done, I, I no longer subscribe to the idea that rain is simply condensation and evaporation and cloud formation because I've had it rain on me when there wasn't a cloud in the sky. And that's where I've, I've used the term ether damming, uh, where you're damming up or building up a wall of ether with something like this. This I don't have it plugged in, but this is a power wand. And people have heard me talking about this which I'll say too, if people have asked, if you're one of the people watching who's um, wondering about a power wand, I'm having trouble keeping up with it because copper is getting harder and harder to find. But you can use tools like power wands to build up these barriers and create rain. And I'm at the point where, you know, I, I think the weather is overall, it's an energetic process. It's, a, it's an energy field that sets up the right circumstances for what's going to happen to happen. And so I think that could be the reason why I've had rainfall on me that wasn't coming from a cloud. And so, you know, anyway, that's a whole other, I know it's a huge, it's a huge can of worms. And I would tell people, you're just gonna have to like go to my website to read some of that stuff more in depth because it's not enough time to talk about it. But I don't think that the rain is as simple as rain clouds anymore. And I appreciate you going into that because I think it is important to help people understand that we're not like doing what they are doing by in turn manipulating the weather. We're accumulating energy to try to restore this. What, exactly. You know, it yeah. seems like a field, you know, which needs a harmonious current. I mean, you mentioned Benjamin Balderson. He's been on the show before and I'm definitely more and more a proponent of the electric universe model. The more I learn about this stuff, it just seems to fit with what they've been keeping from us and what they've been hiding from us. But Mitch, this has been quite an in-depth conversation, my friend. I really appreciate you being here to take us along the way bit by bit. Obviously, you have a website you've mentioned several times. Tell us the URL and you know what they can find there besides the things you've mentioned already. Yeah. So it's theorgonedonor.com. And that's O-R-G-O-N-E, orgone, D-O-N-O-R.com. You know, my, my stick is to try and teach people how to do this. I, I just want every tower busted on this planet and I'm doing what I can to accomplish that. But people can find, you know, that there's the information you would normally find with like ge- the geoengineering component, but it's it's really about what you can do first because a lot of the time it's hard to find an action item or a takeaway from from something. And you know, right now I would tell people I I used to blog every day. It's become quite difficult. I I am a writer by trade, and I. I like having, I mean, people will probably notice there's a tone of my website that's snarky and sarcastic. And I try to make light of a sometimes very dark topic. I also don't bite my tongue because I'm kind of at the point, I just don't care anymore about, I mean, I care about people's feelings, but I don't care about sacrificing anything at the heart of other people's feelings, if that makes sense. And so, you know, I just, I want to live in a world that's 
real, that's based on the truth. And I think this is a key to creating that. But, you know, I would, I would say definitely go to my website and learn to make these tools. If you want to bypass that, then by all means, I have a shop to buy certain things. Anytime someone buys something that supports my work so that I have, you know, that that's how I can afford with my, because I have a very pittance matrix job at this point with all the gifting I do. So it definitely helps to support me and keep me going out there into the desert. Every time we find a new, a new, well, I'll say weapon out in the middle of nowhere. But I love to see more people taking an active role in like the decoding certain areas and seeking out these targets, I would call them targets, and really around the West, opening back up this jet stream. And and then I don't want to bite off more than I can chew right now, but I have been talking with my friends over at, at Alpha Vedic about what can be done in regards to the entire West Coast of California. And, you know, I'm always a go big or go home type of person. So there's a lot of things I have going on in motion. And so for that reason, I'm not blogging as much as I used to. But, you know, if people have questions, they can also email me. I have a a page on my website, but I also have a frequently asked questions page that I highly, highly recommend because I try to go into depth with it. And I have a soapbox uh, that I require people to read before they email me with questions just because, um, you might have maybe guessed this already, but you get a lot of pushback with this kind of stuff. You get shills, you get trolls and robots and AI. And, you know, well, we can talk about it another time, but just that there is a, you know, I've just heard this week, I've had people rip a USPS ripping open boxes of earth pipes and delivering empty boxes to people who got earth pipes from me. So it's like another component of the incredibly weird matrix that, you know, again, the, Reality just isn't what we were always told. So go to my website. It's a great wealth of information, I think, and and do something about it. There's And never, ever bitch to me about chemtrails. I don't ever, because there's a solution. Don't ever bitch to me about chemtrails. I don't want to hear it. So I love it. I love the attitude. I love how you don't pull any punches. And I was serious, folks. If you got any gripes with Mitch, take it up with me. I'll sit you straight. <laughs> Join the Telegram and be sure to support Mitch. Be patient, of course, because, you know, there's a lot going on over there and he's fighting the good fight. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you for tuning in and have a great moment wherever you are in the now. Peace. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast, and I'm your host, Mystic Mark. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode. This episode with Mitch came just in time for spring. Spring is springing all around me here, broadcasting from my basement in New England. Yes, the weather in March comes in like a lion and out like a lamb so i'm certainly looking forward to the latter part of the month and all the more interesting now that our guest mitch sent me a really awesome care package to begin to gift my area and re-harmonize the natural frequencies of the landscape 
love it. It's right up our alley here on the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast, and it couldn't have happened without Chance. So I thought it'd be perfect to have Chance Garten here on the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast for our extended outro. This episode is coming out on Wednesday, and I try to jam-pack your Wednesday episode of the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast with as much content as possible. No sponsors yet for the month of March. Get in touch with me. We are in the top 1% of all podcasts currently. We were in the top 40 in the philosophy category last week on iTunes. So if you have a small business and you can support the show with a one-time monthly donation, I'd be more than happy to give you a shout out here on the show during our outro segment. That's something that I did for Truth Smacks. It's something that I did for Fru and Audrey Lobdell and Akasha Goods. So, you know, if you want to add yourself to the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy family of sponsors, just email me. MyFamilyThinksI'mCrazy.com has all of the relevant info to get in touch with me. We also have some awesome links there. So if you're listening and you want to support the show in another way, go check out the merch store. That's right. We have some amazing t-shirts that I think are badass and I'd love to see more people when you order them. Send me a picture. Let me know what you think. Tell me if you like the quality of it. This is a new thing. I want to know is Teespring worth our time here on the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. So if you buy a shirt be sure to get in touch with me send me a picture let me know what you think i've gotten a few samples from teespring myself and i'm happy with the quality they have these nice classic tees basically it's like a hanes t-shirt which i think is pretty cool when i used to screen print a lot i would always look for uh, plain blank hanes t-shirts because they're very high quality nice cotton so check it out we got a bunch of different varieties some symbolism all kinds of good stuff to let the world know that your family thinks you're crazy or at least that you listen to a podcast made by a lunatic like me and we have some new patrons joining us here on the my family thinks i'm crazy podcast i want to give a big shout out to our new patrons and hook them up with spirit animal names before we get on to our second interview our extended outro with my friend chance garten aka healing tarantula that's right chance is a patron himself shout out to you brother let's get some uh, spirit animal names going we got three all right here we go like i said three new patrons shout out to our first patron joining us in the kung fu fighter tier his name is nick nick you received the gazelle card and the shawl card which represents returning home so you are the homeward gazelle that's right homeward gazelle look at that and you can interpret that however you will the gazelle is a specifically interesting animal here in the spirit animal deck right on thank you for joining us next up we have chad in the wise guys tier Ooh, you got a interesting spirit animal name here. You have the drum card representing rhythm and timing. And you have the cobra card. So you are the rhythmic cobra. Welcome to My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. And last up for my newest spirit animal friends, 
we have cryptic 333 joining us at the truth seeker tier welcome cryptic you got the pipe card which represents prayer and inner peace and you also got the owl card very cool so you are the let's see the pipe smoking owl that sounds cool i like that all right thank you so much folks for supporting us on the patreon be sure to join us on our patrons only telegram chat where we have a great group of people and we meet every month for a patrons only meetup so don't be shy come on over and join in the fun we just have an open-ended conversation try to introduce ourselves to the new members and vice versa and uh see what's going you know this is an evolving show so it's really up to you the listeners based on your participation it'll determine what we do with the patreon content it seemed like a lot of folks would be interested in a sort of zoom call meetup type thing there was word of oh how do we do a telegram video call so i said you know what let's do something once a month get all the friends together from telegram and do a video call and it's not exclusively just the people who are on our telegram group it's anyone in the patreon is invited so sign up for the patreon to take part in that monthly meetup anyways on to the next segment with our friend chance from the innerverse podcast talking to me about his experiences with orgone and so much more enjoy So shout out to Mitch for being so kind and gifting me these really cool devices. But first and foremost, Chance, we are recording. Shout out to you, brother, because if it wasn't for you, that wouldn't have come to fruition. And I really appreciate it. The timing couldn't have been better. It's warming up now. I'm getting excited to go back out and maybe plan a few uh, trips to gift these Orgone devices and even maybe try to make some myself but before we get into the orgone and all that sweetness chance my man how have you been how's the show going welcome back to the my family thinks i'm crazy podcast how have you been hey man i'm doing really good i i actually am inspired by all your hustle to be honest <laughs> so i've started up a couple of new things probably since the last time we talked on an extended outro or on your show uh, i'm doing a monthly, it's not that big of a deal to do an extra show once a month, but I'm doing this movie decode series with our boy Gabe and yes. Gordy Two Shoes, both of which you know and have talked to on My Family Thinks I'm Crazy. So we did that. Uh, we're doing them on the last Sunday of every month as a live stream. And the last one we did was Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings. And before that, we did The Eternals. The Eternals was kind of a... <laughs> More gross and social engineering and not a very good movie, but a lot of mythological symbolism in it to break into and kind of have tangential conversations that are interesting and educational. Shang-Chi was actually a pretty fun movie. Great kung fu action and decent storyline. So that was about a three-hour video, me and Gabe and Gordy diving now, deep into that. Now, do you guys... For fun. 
you guys That's pause throughout the YouTube. Do you pause throughout the movie and and stop and say like, oh, we'll look at this, or do you wait until the end and and break down what you've saw? So the way that we'll do it on future episodes may be different, but on this one, we all watch the movie separately. We all brought to the table screenshots and observations. Right. Where I like a little. Okay. Very it's cool. one of the things Telegram's useful for is to break off into small groups that are subject matter oriented. Mm. So we have our little marvelous demystifiers Telegram group with just the three of us. We're throwing screenshots in there. We're pointing out the symbolism we notice, having kind of an ongoing conversation throughout the month about whatever the thing is that we're planning on doing a stream on. But in the episode, we try to sort of play by play through the major plot points and then stop and dive into different aspects of symbolism that are interesting as we go. That's actually hard to do, though, to recap the synopsis of a movie that's over two hours long. Takes longer than the movie itself <laughs> it would take to watch. So might not do that in the future. Might just stick to, like, pulling out the really big points and having a more freewheeling conversation that jumps around. You know, we're really doing it for us. And a lot of the people that watch are not familiar with the film anyway or with the comic book history. And that's fine. It's sort of a symbolic literacy education or like showing people what it looks like to get into the mindset of picking apart all the details, big and small in the foreground and background of of film because there's never really in a huge, huge budget production, there's really nothing that gets put into a scene that doesn't have some meaning to it. Nothing's an accident. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I agree with you. I've done somewhat different, but a similar style of, of podcast before with TV show episodes. A friend of mine, Matt Komegi's at the Oral Hygiene Podcast. He'll invite me on his show and say, hey, watch this doc, watch this episode. And then we'll both share, you know, our perspective on what we experience watching it. I think it's brilliant. And it definitely is a good way to showcase some of these subtle skill sets that the three of you certainly have doing what you do, diving through the rabbit holes, sifting through the symbols. So I'm excited to tune into that, maybe even join you guys someday in the future. I'm already thinking of a couple movies to suggest, but I just did a, a sort of new project kind of thing, like a short YouTube video thing about Magic Rings. So it's a little bit synchronistic that you guys did something about a movie that's centered around 10 rings. Can you, is, is that a, what Kung Fu movie is that? Can you bring? 10 Rings was the name of the film. Legend of the Ten Rings. Now, what's so, so legendary about there? Some sort of alien artifact falling from the sky. Mm. They give the wielder immortal life. The yes. main, the main villain of the movie has acquired these ten rings, and he's become like a, basically a Genghis Khan type figure who conquered a bunch of the Eastern world, and then scaled back his operations on the external and became the leader of more of a secret society of kind of like a ninja army but there's like that's one of the things we dive into deeply is this idea of the 10 and the rings and the saturnian and death cult secret societies mystery schools pulling the strings from behind the curtain because that's where the film takes the plot is that this main villain character from the east is actually like almost an immortal vampire type arch archetype right yeah. and 
yeah, there's there's a lot there. <laughs> like yeah. uh, the number 10 specifically comes up all the time as a huge part of the the cult of the Inconquerable Sun, the Soul Invictus, the things that the sort of overarching mythos that connects all the different religions, mystery schools, secret societies through symbolism that really their grand architect of the universe or demiurge type character that is worshipped or served is pretty much the sun and the trinity is the actually the sun. It's all about creating this heliocentric mentality for the world, externalizing your savior, putting it far away, untouchable, unreachable, and, you know, diminishing the power of the light within each individual and uh, downplaying the fact that each of us is actually the center of our own Polaris system of our own. We're all our own North star. If we look within for the divine spark, the inner guidance, the sm still small voice within. That's a theme that programming basically. Yeah. That's a theme that I think uh, a lot of the listeners and both of our audiences are probably familiar with. It's something that you see in a lot of film. Very cool. Yeah, man. I, I got to say the same. You have equal or maybe more hustle than I do. I just am good at recording in spurts and then putting them out consistently. If anything, no, you're, good at, you're good at keeping it all on, on topic of podcasts. Well, thank you. <laughs> I'm good at, like I have a lot of what keeps me busy is side projects or work with clients that's not really podcast related. So with you, you have the advantage of all the different efforts you're putting forth synergize into one thing which is making your podcasting presence more and more beefy and formidable quite rapidly seriously impressed with your rise to power <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank you yes we are in the the top one percent i'm proud to say that was definitely exciting to see that uh, a couple weeks ago but back to orgon because i know we haven't touched on this topic more than maybe once on the show before it's something that I've been fascinated with for a very long time. Right here in my hand, I have a piece of Oregon that I got probably 10 years ago from a woman's shop. She was actually on my show, a friend of that mine. It's like the kind that Mitch would say doesn't really do much, but exactly. it's Exactly, exactly. This is, this is definitely the impotent Oregon that Mitch warns against, but it was sort of my first foray into like the idea that not everything magical, we'll call it, for lack of a better word, or at least this is how it appeared at my life at that time, you know, was made by the earth. You know, man had the potential to make magical things too. Because I sort of had this maybe assumption that, oh no, crystals are made by the earth and that's what makes them special. It's kind of a, a maybe a biased assumption. And then considering what we were just talking about with the rings, you know, there you have an example of a talisman or a, a type of accessory, jewelry, maybe even a tool that's given in legend by these godlike sources. You mentioned how in that movie, the, you know, rings fell from space, right? There's a lot of dragon lore in Asia talking about these sky Tons beings. Of lore in this movie too. Right. I would imagine so. 
most of my research on the rings connected to the Norse, and they talk about dwarves who are equally mysterious, uh, living in the ground, making these special rings on behalf of Odin and, and the Aesir's, right? So it is... So out there real quick, too, that the ring symbolism in the occult, the circle, the wheel, mm. connects us to the navigation wheel, the cog, the shield, the basically... UFO flying saucer symbol is multifaceted. And whenever we're talking about rings that fall from the sky that a secret priesthood then takes and hides in some way and benefits from the power of that artifact, I think that we could be discussing the possibility of some kind of what you call the angelic sailors, this technology of the Nephilim or fallen angels or whatever particular flavorful label you want to put on them of an advanced breakaway society that might not exactly share our same DNA or they've cultivated a different bloodline of DNA and kept it really tightly protected that in some way is connected to their ability to wield or utilize these artifacts that are ancient from maybe before a reset or something like that. Mm. So that idea of the, the 10 rings could be allegorical either intentionally or synchromistically to those who control, like the flying saucer cults, basically. And right. whoever controls that technology, having a power differential that lets them influence the world and control the world from the shadows. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't doubt that. And I've, I've talked to my friend Dave Zed about this before. Phenomena of uparts, out-of-place artifacts, and... Definitely, there are lore of even daggers. I don't know if rings so much, but daggers being built from these meteors that would fall from the sky because they were already kind of shaped that way, right? So they were these spikes of iron that would form. Ari Asselin, past guest, told me it was because of like the way Mars affects our planet when it gets really close. But I think I've heard mainstream scientists talk about this as like a type of meteor strike. So I'm not sure exactly what it is, but there are legends of meteoric iron, you know, falling from the sky. You know, again, it could be from some paranormal being, it could just be a mundane scientific phenomena. I'm not really on either side of the argument. But really, why I wanted to bring that up is because. What became so fascinating when studying the magic rings was this idea of the talisman being something that is imbued with the intention, the spirit, the will of the human being who either created it or possessed this talisman, whether it's a magic ring or any other type of magical item. I think Orgon in the modern world maybe fits within this sort of vague, hazy category of talisman. And I want to know what you think about this. And maybe we can start by, you know, talking about what you, when you first became aware of Orgone. Have you known about this for a long time? Is it something you recently found? Like, what are your thoughts on Orgone? Yeah, man, there's so much to get into here. Very cool. I think maybe to just talk about the structure of it and what possibly is going on there that makes it potent or not potent. Alchemically, salts are the memory holder. They're like the storage device in a way. And that's because they have this crystalline structure 
crystal meaning that the molecular lattice of whatever the material is is symmetrical and patterned. And as far as I understand, that's what allows for information to sort of bounce around and resonate and be contained within a molecular structure is that crystal aspect. But the crystal itself, you can't read it. You can't, you know, there's no way to like interpret the information that might be stored in even the mineral aspect of water, right? I think that that's sort of the hard or hardware and then the software works in the field. So the energy that could be generated as a current influencing and impacting the crystal is where like we actually in, interpret the fluid consciousness of being aware of what information might be stored in the crystal. So like in our bodies, we have all kinds of salts, we have all kinds of crystal structures, even the water in our body is sort of in a and in the cellular sense, in a plasmic state that is similar to a liquid crystal, which is interesting. Our bones are crystal. That's part of our ancestral knowledge reservoir, potentially. It's in our bones. But how we express and how we experience the information that's stored in these structures is in the field. It's in the energetic field that's generated around and within the body. So like your memory isn't really in the crystal in terms of how you experience it. It's in your energy field. It's your aura. I've, I've learned a lot about this through sound healing practice that I get into that I can bump into people's memories. Usually it's the traumatic ones that get pushed off to the side, to the left or right in their aura. So when we think about like the purpose of crystals or how organite works, I think about the possibility that, well, it's not to me, it's not a possibility. I'm pretty convinced that the earth that we're on is a living organism. It's not some dead inert thing, right? So, well, what is organite like if it's made correctly? It's this structure that properly balances and stacks in layers, crystal and metal. Those are the two main components and what makes it potent or not, we alluded to. It needs to have enough metal in it, basically. And I think that metal has to do with the current creating, you know, a charge, something conductive that then allows the information and vibratory pattern of information stored in the salt crystal, the crystals, the quartz that might be in the orgone, to create a field around it. If it's just the crystal by itself and it doesn't have some sort of charge applied to it, like, you know, piezoelectricity, that's why a crystal that you can hold in your hands, all of a sudden, if you start squeezing, like I've got this big piece of selenite here, you squeeze it, you feel it, then something might happen in terms of like you having a reaction or a sense that it's telling you something or affecting you in some way. So when we look at like mountains, what's more powerful in our environment in terms of how it affects us than a mountain, like in the landscape, right? I believe it's possible that the crystals that are under the earth and part of the crust of this realm, whatever it is, have something to do with transmitting, storing energy. Like I look at the big quartz deposits and reservoirs around where I live, especially in Northwest Arkansas, tons of quartz out there. It's possibly in a biological sense, like the neurons 
of the earth, some kind of part of transmitting and sending information and consciousness across the vast grid work of the ley lines that could be seen as like energetic capillaries of source awareness that the planet or the realm is able to sense itself and feel itself and send us information, give us insight, draw upon who knows what type of ancient, ancient wholeness that this temp of the life fractal that we're standing on called earth can provide for us. So organized, like to get all the way back around to the original question, how long have we been aware of it? Pretty long time. I remember I would see it in my music festival hopping days. I'd see it all the time. And I didn't really know much about what the purpose of it was. I was on the fence if it was worthwhile. I remember specifically sometimes run, going into like a vendor booth who made a lot of organite and feeling bad feelings in there. I think that has to do with maybe the structure intention behind it. Like uh, I remember seeing a whole mess of organite that was shaped like Darth Vader helmets and, you know, weird pop culture references like that, which is a good way to possibly sell it to random festival goers who are just looking for a trinket to take home. But, you know, what's the intention and meaning behind a Darth Vader helmet organite? <laughs> and so that's, that's one side of it. You know, there's this commercial side of it. It's just a pretty paperweight, whatever. But then I started talking to other people that are into like the fields of radionics and scalar energy who had a lot to say about the possible downside of devices that weren't necessarily put together correctly throwing off uh, deadly orgone radiation, they call it DOR. I'm not entirely convinced that that's super dangerous or possible when it comes to like your average run-of-the-mill organite. I don't know. I'm not someone that can do radionics testing to do, you know, dowsing and decide that for myself. Maybe in the future, I'll do those type of experiments. But eventually I ran into Mitch through someone who knew both of us on Instagram, put us together for a conversation. He really blew my mind and was able to show like visually and I did the experiments myself, the vortex energy that comes off of the properly created organite pucks he makes. Like the simple experiment is if you have a puck like Mark was showing on screen earlier and you get a glass of water, I recommend using like one of those red beer pong cups, <laughs> fill it with water, put it in the freezer on top of the puck and let it freeze. And then take it out when it's an ice cube and cut away the plastic cup so you can just see how the ice froze. And you'll see a vortex, like a, a spiral gap of air in the middle of this giant ice cube. You can literally see that the way that it froze portrayed this vortex pattern of the scalar field that the device is putting off. Wow. That's a good way to know whether or not to like physically test whether or not there's something going on with it, beneficial or not. And so like why it works, I, I've understood through my work in frequency with tuning forks and all that, that harmony is the, and the wholeness, that type, of, that type of aspect of sound or energy or frequency is way more, I don't know, magnetic. It overrides disharmony. The best example is if you put a bunch of metronomes in a room together, and you set them off to go at different times, and you come back later, they all get in sync with each other. How does that work? Have you ever seen that experiment before? 
I have not. Yeah, this is something repeatable. You get you get 50 metronomes, set them all at different times, come back to the room, over enough time has passed, they all are ticking together. It's crazy. So what I'm trying to explain is how har- like disharmony and harmony, when you put them together, harmony wins. It's kind of like the idea of darkness can't shine into light. Light can overtake darkness, though. That's how I look at it. So when I do sound healing sessions for people, I'm playing these coherent, harmonious tones within their field. And then their, their cellular makeup, their frequency of their biology, then takes that harmonious tune and tunes itself to it. Biology and nature is self-healing, self-correcting, self-tuning. But just like you need to know what's wrong and what's right to make a healthy change in your mindset or in your life, your body sometimes needs or nature sometimes needs to see the template of wholeness, perceive it, and then it can adjust to match that template of wholeness. So I think Organite is able to put off scalar fields like that where the disharmony (laughs) <laughs> the, the, the dissonance, I should say, of the technology around us, of the towers, all that is retrained and adapted to fit the harmonious scalar frequency of the device, even though it's a simple hunk of resin and metal and crystal. So it doesn't actually change the function of the tower or the cell phone or any of that but maybe changes the way that that frequency affects you cellularly. I wouldn't say that just because you had like, I wouldn't say tape a piece of organite to the back of your cell phone and then feel safe to go around talking with it stuck to your ear. I wouldn't say that, but it does seem to have an effect on the overall frequency fence strategy and agenda of geoengineering. We can get into that. Some of my experiences using Mitch's devices and what I've witnessed around my area since I've, put them out, but I've been talking a long time. So I want to kick it back to you. And boom, thank you so much for breaking that down the way you just did chance. Boom. I love it. If folks need to go back and hit replay, I recommend it. Cause that was, that was why I wanted you hit the tail end of this interview, because, you know, Mitch, as you know, speaking to him, you know, several more times than I have, he's definitely doing this within a certain mindset. You know, and he's also very cautious uh, not to give people the wrong impression because it's pretty obvious that he's received a lot of flack for the opinions and the perspective that he has, which, you know, I agree with. And it's something that I always love to get in and mediate because I don't think there should be any reason for anyone to ever fear free thought, free speech, or even free experimentation, as long as you're not harming someone else's human rights, right? So I think what Mitch is doing is beautiful and should be championed. And it's all the more inspiring when someone takes up the helm and goes out and tries it themselves, because you're adding to the the, the consensus, right, of this very real thing that for the most part, unfortunately, is only really taken seriously within the healing modalities realm. As soon as you take it outside of the physical body or the, the emotional body, the mind, the soul, it seems like logic steps in and says, no, 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 no. Let's go see what physical science says about this, right? So let's get into some of the experiments that you've actually taken taken upon yourself to go and, and try out 
see what this Oregon really can do. Yeah, for sure. So Mitch, like you mentioned, is really generous with his material. One of the reasons why I have said, like initially had such faith in him and was really curious to talk more and learn more and try out his stuff is because he sends people packages of his devices all over the place, podcast hosts, sometimes people that aren't even in any position to promote his content to a large audience. He'll still be like, if he think it's a good feeling about them, he'll send them big packages, sometimes to a fault. You know, sometimes it doesn't work out and the individual maybe is like, send me this and I'll pay you back later. And he gets screwed in the end by someone that's kind of vampiric and ugly. I've seen that happen too. So I get why he's cautious because people do come out of the woodworks when we're discussing these things that are so foundational to traumatizing and polluting the well of energy, such as frequency warfare. What I, so yeah, I became like a champion for Mitch. I started doing my best to get him on other shows get his message out there further through my platforms and really happy that that's been successful and taken off. He's been on so many podcasts since that first one he did with me, which he said was the first one that ever went well. <laughs> so shout out to Carol. If you somehow hear this, you probably will. Thanks for putting us in touch with each other. And right. So he, he sent me first just an earth pipe, which is like a copper tube. That's got the layered crystal resin metal combination in it, long copper tube. I put that in at my house and he sent me pucks. Like you've got a couple that were just tactical, functional, not pretty. And then some that were really pretty too. And I think the aesthetic side of it, that's a tangent, but aesthetics also are an aspect of the quality of the field that is emitted by any device. Like part of harmony, how we recognize it is the beauty. So whenever something does carry this like beautiful or attractive design to it, that is affecting the frequency field in the entire vicinity of that object, right? So tangent aside, eventually he ended up sending me a whole bunch of earth pipes. So like, I would say the materials that the, the material cost of what he sent me for free is pretty high because I think I've received like 12 plus earth pipes from him. And a power wand, which we can talk about that too. So whenever I got the extra earth pipes, I started out by just putting them, gifting them at the towers, the 5G cell phone towers in the vicinity of my house. And I wasn't able to do it all at once, but over time when I could find time to stop by a tower and bury one of these pipes, I noticed that whenever chemtrail planes would show up over my house, and in the vicinity of my home, a couple mile radius, that whatever was coming out of those planes or drones or whatever they might be, wasn't sticking. And I had reason to believe it would work this way because I'd seen the evidence from Mitch, videos of his showing the, the trails just kind of dispersing and falling apart in midair and not creating that milky white DOR haze, deadly orgone radiation. So... That's kind of been my experience is like, I haven't, I haven't seen that type of milky sun blocking haze in the vicinity of where I've gifted the towers, which is a few mile radius. I've probably hit, probably hit about eight. I have a few more pipes. I still need to get out there strategically, but 
try to line it up with when a the ground isn't frozen solid <laughs> too hard to bury something b when i'm actually near the spot anyway so if i was mitch i would have gone out and gifted the whole town and all the neighboring towns and all the highways between them by now because he's a super machine <laughs> well and he's amazing at doing that i i like how but i'll see the chemtrail haze like a few miles away i'll see where it's happening and there'll be like just this bubble Mm. around my my house in the park by my house where it doesn't stick so to me that's something yeah and i like how you're using that as an example we've talked about that in our previous conversations but what it brings to mind is almost like like a recipe almost like like the way you would if you had a glass of water and you pour some like protein powder smoothie powder in it if you don't shake up that glass, the powder is just going to sift to the bottom and settle and you're not going to have a smoothie. But if you throw that thing in a blender and blend it all up, you know, you're going to have a thick, maybe a good smoothie, depending on your ingredients. To me, it feels like what's going on is these towers, whatever they do, they're spinning the energy in a certain frequency that when these chem trails go by, it's like, all right, perfect. We can settle. We can sit. You know, whereas in a normal organic, let's say, atmosphere, it would have just maybe dissipated really quickly and it would have been ineffective, you know. So it feels like it's two parts of an equation um, exactly. when you when you talk about it like that. And, and maybe orgone is getting in the middle of that. Um, but, you know, that's just my speculation. What have you found? No, that sounds like exactly the way that I think it's going on, that the... Uh towers are about generating a frequency fence but that fence isn't to keep something out it's to keep something on it kind of it's like a lattice framework that the materials whatever the materials might be they're coming out of the drones or planes this is all super speculative all we can do is like know that that's that shit blocks the sun which is bad and that whenever we gift the towers it doesn't block the sun as well or at all anymore. <laughs> you know, because the sky is big, man. This is how I always explain it. The sky is freaking huge. So you can spray all day in the sky and it's just going to dissipate in a parts per billion ratio till whatever was being sprayed is hardly even noticeable or settles to the ground. And there may be different things at different times. Like I'm not the expert on geoengineering or chemtrails or even organite, but I do know that in my experience, it works to use these these devices, gifting towers to slow down whatever that agenda is. I, I sometimes wonder if it's really even a human agenda, personally. Like if it's even an old agenda that, yeah, exactly. You got an alien on your shirt. I don't even know if they're necessarily aliens in the sense of from another star system or something. I'm very earth-shaped agnostic and super don't believe that we live in the star wars hollywood reality that we see on the movies but the fact that there's saucer cults ufo cults going back throughout time well they must have been seeing stuff for a long time throughout time and maybe what we see now we're just like oh that must be just a plane or something but could be that geoengineering if you will altering the environment terraforming could have been going on for a long time and people just looked at that and said it's angels doing it or something who knows or it's uh whatever they may have different explanations but we have such a short view of history and the majority of 
regular human beings experience of history is not accessible to us. We get what was written by the victors, right? And what we're sort of allowed to have. So there's a lot of possibility there. The other thing I've tried out are is the power wand. And I don't know if Mitch sells these or even necessarily wants people to like inquire about them, but I know he sent them out to a few people and it's kind of like an earth pipe, but there is a cord that goes into it and it's designed so that it's like a headphone jack cord, basically. So you plug the power wand into your phone or into a laptop or something that can play a frequency. And then it sends the frequency into the wand and it becomes like, <laughs> it, you don't hear anything coming out of the wand. It's just affecting the crystal metal structure and resonating within this thing that you're holding in your hand. And man, what I have done with those things is pretty interesting. Like I, in my opinion, you can erase it's basically like having a magic eraser wand that you can just like erase chemtrails out of the freaking sky with this thing. So who knows? It's sort of like a mini, it's like a hand cannon. It's like a mini uh, Reikian, what do you call cloud buster, but souped up with actual electric charge going through it with a particular frequency of your choosing. You can also use them to like meditate. You can put it on like a 528 hertz or something like that. Whatever frequency of your choosing and experiment. So my downside for me is mine isn't working well with my phone, so I can only really use it effectively with a laptop currently, unless I get some sort of maybe old, cheap, but non, not on a cell phone plan, old iPod or iPhone to play tones through. I don't know. So I haven't really played with my power wand for a while, but every once in a while, Mitch will be like, hey, do you mind just using the wand to, towards this particular direction for like 20 minutes today? I'm trying to see if something will happen. And I know he's doing all kinds of experiments with his network of people throughout the country that have received these, trying to see if weather patterns can be influenced or broken that seem to be artificially engineered in some agenda. I love it. Yeah, and I, I, I feel... Hope you don't give too much away, Mitch, if you listen to this later. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't, think, I don't think he did. A little bit of what you said ha was talked about in our conversation. But, yeah, there is a sense of, like, covert and necessary covert action amongst this type of thing, even though we're not... Nobody's damaging anything. Nobody's doing anything ostensibly illegal. But we have uh, a certain power powers that be that might not like to find out that people are doing this kind of thing. So yeah, I definitely respect the the discretion. But you know, mostly the powers that should not be the the worst they would do, in my opinion, is just say how it doesn't work or mm -hmm. try to put out that message. Because if you then martyr the people that are doing the effective thing, it puts the wrong kind of attention for your agenda's intent for your agenda. You know, on the on on the world stage well, getting attacked by a cat right now <laughs> well and i think that's why the the term tinfoil hat was weaponized in the way it was because there were certain people i think in the 80s 70s 90s who were experiencing you know this targeted individual phenomena or maybe even like some buzzing cranium sensations you know all these sorts of anomalous you know parapsychological things that were happening to people. Voice to skull. Yeah, yeah. And what would people do? They would be like, oh, well, the only thing that works is putting a tinfoil hat on my head, funny enough. And 
you know, now they don't even sell tinfoil. They sell aluminum foil. I wonder why. You can't find tinfoil as readily as you would aluminum foil. But yeah, they definitely mocked that term to the point where, you know, the average person, you know, hears some sort of concern about invisible energy and immediately thinks, oh, well, you better put a tinfoil hat on, right? So well, think I about the original tinfoil hat, which is mm -hmm. the king or queen's crown. Right, right. And I think a big reason why that's a historical thing is because it blocks external influence of frequencies from, you know, hitting your dome. Mm. Interesting. So like the sorcerers and astrologers and people out there slinging spells at their enemies. So right. maybe they had an awareness that putting some type of metal cap on that was the right type of metals would also protect them from that kind of influence. Yeah. Yeah, all the more reason to wear a Faraday fabric uh, beanie, right? <laughs> or, yeah, get the uh, Spiro headgear from my boy Matt Landman. Yeah. SpiroProtectionClothing.com. Indeed. Silver Indeed. threaded. That's the silver threaded hat is the new tinfoil hat. Right. Well, I've even seen, like, I don't know if they're the same brand, Sparrow, but I've seen, like, tinfoil hat pattern beanies with that sort of intention i don't know if they actually work that way but it was a, a guest that i booked on uh sam show recently oh it was juan my buddy juan who had it i don't i'll have to ask him about it but yeah i finally met Juan. yeah cool How, dude awesome we're I'm gonna glad, collab soon i'm glad you guys connected well i wanted to bring it back to to orgone and can i throw out a real quick a couple please. of other ways people can protect their home environment in this way that's where i wanted to, to take out. it so really inexpensive but maybe not aesthetically pleasing you know those space blankets that are like crinkly nasa blankets yeah. like a roadside emergency blanket they look all shiny and reflective i have one yeah those things block all frequencies from passing through if you really wanted to you could line a room with those and it would do a, a lot to protect you from whatever is bouncing around a more expensive option a metal roof instead of classic asphalt-based shingles i looked into that when i was getting my house re-roofed but it was not <laughs> affordable for me but that's a possibility and then third shungite if you've heard of shungite people talk about wearing it and that it can be protective or, or whatever i don't know exactly how effective it is i wear it all the time on bracelets but to wear it that way but i i heard about a guy who was trying to figure out why bees were having this colony collapse syndrome and he wound up he was a beekeeper and he wound up getting powdered shungite, which I think isn't that expensive, and mixing it in paint and painting the beehives with powdered shungite. And all of a sudden, they weren't having this colony collapse syndrome at all anymore and they're thriving. So maybe if you're going to paint your walls someday, consider getting some powdered shungite and mixing it into the paint. And maybe that would make a big difference. That's some, uh, those are some of the ideas I have for possible future protection protocols. Yeah, absolutely. I love that idea. And that's exactly what we need more of is just a running list of, of things we could try because it's all about experimentation. I, I was thinking a lot about this really uh, a favorite book of mine, The Monkey Wrench Gang by Edward Abbey. He was a sort of a philosopher, novelist who moved and hitchhiked from Pennsylvania to the Southwest and just traveled around the desert and wrote some books. And one of the books that he wrote was this sort of comedy adventure 
about four people who would go around and basically, you know, destroy all of these construction projects that were going on in the Southwest in the 70s. And, you know, it's a fictional book, but it's basically about eco-terrorists or eco-activists. You know, take your pick, whichever side of the equation you're on. And what I find so cool about what Mitch is doing is it's a non you know, it's the opposite of that in the sense that you're still accomplishing a similar goal, but you're not hurting anybody. You're not destroying things. You're not going and, and breaking up bridges and blowing up dams. You know, a little part of me thinks there should be more groups like that trying to fight back for nature's sake, you know, but yeah, we don't want to advocate for <laughs> violence or anything like that. But I just, you know, with this kind of Captain Planet mentality that was really driven into me in the 90s, you know, all oh, our our environment's dying, we have to save it, you know. I don't know how much of that is really true, but it does give me a lot of hope when I find someone like Mitch doing this with Orgone because whether or not our environment is endangered or not, it's pretty obvious that these 5G towers are A, ugly, and B, insidious, you know. They're, they're definitely not helping the environment, you know, even like, you know, birds and, and creatures that get wrapped up in the energy and maybe, you know, who knows what'll happen. I, you know, I'm yeah, not, I'm not a biologist, but started being put out, there were a lot of bird die offs that right. occurred. I know. Right. But the, also the, it's really important to the controllers worldview warfare that we all believe the earth is dying. That sets a tone for our own life and the hopelessness and futility of it that is not good for the type of world we're going to co-create through, you know, the manifestation side of how our collective belief influences the flow of the present moment. But, you know, like, okay, so I don't believe that there's ecological crisis to the extent that Earth is going to die. I think what will happen is we won't be able to survive here anymore. And then <laughs> something like that would lead to the earth rebalancing itself. Nature always right. balances the equation. Life always finds a way. It's just a matter of what kind of life and our way of life as it is now does have a timer on it. And the timer is either a ticking time bomb or a project for a restoration of our harmonious integration with nature, one or the other. But I noticed years ago that like whenever I used to drive back and forth from the college town where I went to university back to home, every time I made the drive, I'd have to at least once on the drive scrape all the dead bugs off my windshield. Now, when I'm on the highway, no bugs. It's been like this for years. I never have to clean the windshield for bugs. There's way less bugs. There's uh, the biomass, if you will, the overall biomass in the aggregate of living creatures, big and small has really shifted into a deficit compared to before. And I think that's the metric, that's the measure of how our life force energy is doing on the fractal level is biomass, bioaccumulation. So what we can do to add to the biomass of our environment would be helpful. And that would basically just mean like gardening, permaculturing, planting, making more life happen well, so and that there's more environment for the things like the bugs to come into and right. exist and not just like paved concrete and empty mode lawns and all that bullshit. Right. And, and where I was going with the, the talisman 
you know, topic earlier is this idea that, you know, as I'm holding this orgone in my hand, I can actually program it with my intention, leave it somewhere in a natural space and hopefully make way for that type of life to thrive. Because those creatures that, like you said, are shrinking and, and disappearing, they thrive off of those little subtle changes in the environment. You know, it's, it's a part of, I think the energy field that's being created by our society, that's one of the causes why these creatures, I mean, we see it with bees more explicitly, but most insects are these small, you know, little, what are, what are they called? Arthropods, right? They have a, an outer exoskeleton. You know, they're very much affected by te things like temperature and frequency and the forces that B are playing around with, you know, the energy field and putting out this smog, I can only imagine it affects them. Orgone can be what shifts that back into harmony and allows for these small creatures to start thriving again, which will in turn create a positive domino effect, you know, more little creatures to thrive. It, just makes way for, you know, more larger creatures to feed off of them and so on and so forth. And then pretty soon there's more polar bear again. Did Mitch tell you about the triops in Arizona? No, I'm familiar with them, though. Tell me a little bit about this. Well, I want to preface this with there was a time where the scientific, I guess, establishment or the thought of the day was that if the environment and conditions for a particular life form existed, then that life form, at least the small scale, would just sort of appear, would come into existence, like maggots just manifested on a corpse, that type, right. that type of thing. I don't know that that is exactly true, but I do know that the entire reality that we live in is frequency-based, and possible, it's possible to me that why we see extinction and reduction in the biomass of the world that we can perceive might be because our consciousness and our physical health has been narrowed down into a shorter bandwidth of frequency potential. And so what we see in the external world as a reflection of what energy we carry and embody is less and less variety because fear is constrictive and it reduces things down to a singular outcome. It has to be that way or everything is wrong and that's we're afraid of any other outcome but one. So we try to manipulate and control. Love is permissive and allows for any possibility or potential of what we love to express itself. So love is the infinite side. Fear is the constrictive side. Now, I bring all this up because I know that in Arizona, where so much work has been done to gift all the towers and influence the environment, that uh, certain animals have come back into the environment. Like Gordy was talking about, I think like a leopard of some kind <laughs> showing, showing up at a mining operation and they had to close down the mining operation because this extinct creature was found living in that area. He could tell you more about it than me. But there's another thing called a triops, which is also known as a dinosaur shrimp, that all of a sudden this year or last year, I guess, after all the monsoons in Arizona, people just started finding them everywhere. But they were thought to be extinct or non-existent anymore in the environment up until the point of all the ecological changes that have happened from him. I say from Mitch's work, in my opinion, because of Mitch's work, mm -hmm. it is still opinion can't be proven, but 
just look up triops t-r-i-o-p-s it's a like three-eyed right weird little crust crustacean creature pretty amazing is this the same thing as sea monkeys or am i mixing them but people sell them as like a sea monkey type right that's that's what i was but it's there's more than one sea monkey type pet (laughs) you would say so i guess what is happening is that they had maybe there were like eggs all over arizona that were in some kind of stasis if Mm. you will and when things got wet enough they just started emerging out of the woodworks but wow to me that's similar reflective of the idea of when the environment or conditions for a particular form of life exist then that form of life emerges and exists there because we can't witness all of nature at once no matter how many of us there are so what happens when we're not looking you know where does life even come from in the first place (laughs) i ask myself these questions because i think maybe just as rapidly as the extinctions and die-offs have appeared to happen as our collective health and frequency has been shunted and reduced into a narrower and narrower bandwidth spectrum because of all the fear and worldview poisoning and how that leads to us, you know, being traumatized and hurting ourselves more and more in this negative feedback loop, maybe in just as quick of a turnaround, we could find ourselves in a world with massive ecological diversity and a reaccumulation of biomass in an almost magical, nearly as instantaneous and rapid way as what I saw happen with the bugs on my drive where there used to be bazillion bugs. And then all of a sudden, like the next year, there were none. Right. Right. I think that frequency is the universe. And I said that all the time, all we can manage, really all we can control is our own vibe and our own energy. And if we want to see a world with more potential, more possibility, more beauty, more harmony, all we got to do is embody those things within ourselves and find the way to restore wholeness and become aware of the template of wholeness that is nature, that is our body, and allow it to do its thing and expand again. Absolutely. I mean, well said, beautifully said. You're bringing to mind memories of like being a kid digging around in my backyard and just being amazed by the abundance of creatures. Like, you know, I would dig around in in like under logs and and you'd see like five, ten 18 different types of insects, you know, I don't, maybe I'm just not digging around as much, but I definitely feel like there's been a shift and just as quickly as it's shifted this way, we can shift it back in the other direction. Well said. I I love it. And I, I think that, you know, the same thing has probably happened where I live because this summer I remember driving up north and bugs all over the car, you know. But then as soon as you hit, like, you know, the 42nd parallel and you go into where people are, are you know, more, you know, suburban and there's more cities and whatnot, there's no bugs at all. Not on your car, you know. Like, just living where I live, that's just, like, not a thing. You know, if I drive a couple towns over, maybe in the heat of summer when there's mosquitoes everywhere, but really, like, not even. So I I thought that was an interesting example. And I I think we talked about this once, but I noticed when everybody decided to stay inside because of the cooties last uh, two years, that it seemed like the animals started to come back in that short amount of time of people not driving, people not leaving their house as much. There were a uh, much larger uh groups of animals than 
just a couple of years before from squirrels to deer to birds to even, you know, we saw things like muskrat in the past year, which I'd never seen in my life in this area. And people are talking about more moose coming up in the more northern part of the state. And, and I've seen bald eagles several times. And I just was in a restaurant the other day overhearing a guy who I guess spends a lot of time observing eagles. And he said there are 98 eagle nests in Connecticut, bald eagle nests. And, you know, that same sort of dynamic we were talking about before where you can see, you know, the status of, you know, particular biosphere by the smallest individuals that make it up. You can also sense it by the largest individuals. And if there are a lot of bald eagles, well, that means there are a lot of animals for the bald eagles to prey on, you know, and, and I think that is a good sign. I think there was one bald eagle that made its way, he said, from New Haven, Connecticut, home of uh, Skull and Bones, to Central Park. That was the, hey, the big story. So I don't so know. that 322 day, <laughs> B day. Oh yeah. Wow. Okay. So let's, let's, let's wrap it up. But before that, you know, 322, I'm going on this tour. I'm doing a tour. The first time I'm ever doing anything like this in my life, I'm going to be leading a free walking tour of New Haven in honor of a 322, 2022. And we're going to affect the collective consciousness in a positive way and shed light on some of the darker murkier corners of new haven's history so and uh, we will be sure to wish you a big bold happy birthday that day brother thanks man it's extra occulty because it's my 33rd birthday oh Uh-oh. all right all right well then what's going on this month for you got any big plans I'm going to go see some friends in real life from the Telegram and podcasting community that week, like right after my birthday, the Equinox week. So shout out Snake Jones. We're going to, some of us are going to convene in his farm. He's a guy that gets around all the best shows and it's all a good live stream chat. So <laughs> really excited to meet him and some other people in the real. Going to meet up with Gabriel in real life too. I've decided Gabe is my spirit animal. <laughs> Should I should I change your spirit animal's name on the Patreon to slick this in it? (laughs) No, my spirit animal name's Healing Tarantula though, which is so appropriate because I got I'm in with the spiders. I do energy healing work. I've got a spider tattoo, but I want to actually speaking of spirit animals, I'm gonna draw a card from this spirit animal deck that my favorite listener to my show sent me, and just see what we get. You know, since we've been talking about nature and animals, what's the message from these cards today? Oh, cool. Seahorse spirit. Kind of reminds me of that triops thing. Sea monkey. And it just says, watch and wait. Watch and wait. Very cool. Right on. Make the make the healthy changes in your perspective. Open up to that template of wholeness and then watch and wait and see where it shows itself. I got elephant. Oh, good. That's cool. That's a cool deck. I like that art. I love Oracle cards, man. Animal spirits, spirit animals. <laughs> that your deck is the animal spirits, and mine is the spirit animals. Right on. Two sides of the equation. Yeah, that's actually. I guess you can you care if I plug it up a bit before we go. No, no, no. I was gonna ask you. Yeah, tell everybody. I mean, you've been on the show before, so for anyone who's not familiar, please tell us. Tell us where they can follow up with you. Well, I'd love to take on more clients with the sound healing stuff I do with Tuning Forks. It's really powerful modality. 
I call it like aura technician. <laughs> I started it back. I started experimenting with this back in 2020. And then in 2021, sort of taking on clients for real. And this year, the, the way that the process has unfolded for me is really amazing that I kind of jumped in with my own experience in energy healing to back me up and my own knowledge from researching the tuning fork process with, from Eileen Day McCusick in the biofield anatomy that she discovered and explains. And since then, it's like every client session sort of builds on the last one. Like something will come up in the session that I've never seen before. And like, I only would have been ready to handle and understand what to do with it right then. And then the next like five clients will all show that exact same thing. <laughs> and like, it'll, it progresses. This is a weird progression to it where it's like, I can tell that I'm being led and guided through this process of learning deeper and deeper levels of how to assist bringing harmony to the dissonance that gets trapped in our auras. So yeah. there's something sort of synchronistically guiding me through how I learned this and sort of self-taught about it or higher self is bringing forward the information. It's really amazing. But every client has a unique experience. It's always powerful, always really unique in our current day and age for somebody who does come to me for the process to experience what it feels like for all the chakras to be fully in balance with one another, same size as each other and in the proper level of strength, because I don't care who you are. Everybody that's ever come to me, something was out of whack. One of them was too big. One of them was too small. One of them was off, you know, mm -hmm. that just, that's just the way it is because we get into these mental ruts and perspectives about who we are in our story what is or isn't okay, what we're consciously aware of in, a, in and of that story about ourselves. So come check it out. See what it's like. <laughs> I would love people to do that. You can find more information on my website. If you go to the shop tab, there's a sound healing tab under that with videos I've done about it, explaining the process and information about how to contact me. You can just email me, chance at interversepodcast.com. I'll send you the link there so that you can figure out what it's about if you want more info. I also do Oracle card sessions where I mostly lean on the I Ching and tarot, but some other decks as well for one-on-one -on -one, like spiritual guidance and counseling. Those are always really powerful synchronistic generators too. And of course, I'm a podcaster. That's also my thing. Interversepodcast.com is where you'll find all my shows. Just put out a really good one with Tim James. I don't know when this is coming out, but Health Hero show Tim James came on and collabed with me. He's awesome. Really great information in that one. I do a live show on Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. on my YouTube and Rockfin called Vibrant. Mark's been on there. We have a lot of fun on Vibrant every week. Our buddy Gabe this is actually is there too. He's like the co-host of Vibrant at this point. This is coming out on March 9th, so it'll be out a morning before Vibrant, right? You're still doing that on Wednesdays, so this will come out on yeah. the same day as a Vibrant. So if you're listening to this tonight... Tune into Vibrant and dude, sign me up for one of those auric tuning sessions. Cause I remember years ago, the same woman who I mentioned when I mentioned buying the orgone here, she gave me a sort of chakra reading and she was like, Oh, your third eye is out of whack. And it was very true. Cause at that point in time, I'd really only been focusing on third eye, third eye, third eye. Like I was just kind of getting into all this stuff, learning about it and that's all I really knew about was like, oh, well, if I do this chant, I'll open up my third eye. So I had just really like weighed down my third eye and it was amazing to feel 
the difference leaving that place. So please sign me up. I would love to go through that with you. And uh, yeah, Interverse, Vibrant, you got a lot of things going on. I definitely encourage folks to sign up for the Patreon as well. We are both patrons of each other's Patreon and Chance is putting out great content each week. So be sure. And if you listen, if you're listening to the Interverse and you're not a patron yet, like you're not getting the whole episode. You got to get that good stuff at the end of the interview. So definitely. Yeah, yeah, the Interverse. So everything I put out is free except the main show Interverse. The second hour of that is for right. patrons. So you're missing half of the interview, basically, if you don't do that. But I do put out Vibrant's full episodes of Vibrant for free. This Marvel demystifying new show I do. I'm on Weaving Spiders Welcome, their YouTube channel. A lot of free stuff to dive into, but... That little extra 25% of my weekly content, whatever, I'd love to see more of you guys sign up for because it's essentially just a few cents a day for a $5 Patreon subscription. It's crazy. Right. Oh, yeah. You know what else I do? At the beginning of the week, usually on a Monday or Tuesday, I do group Oracle card sessions where I tap into the float for the whole group of who's watching at the, that moment and afterwards to sort of give like you know, an energetic update for the week through looking at the cards and that generates a lot of synchronicity for the people watching too. So I do it differently from week to week, but like last week, for example, I went through and drew three cards for each sun sign or for each astrological zodiac sign. So if you had a prominent Aries, maybe it was your sun, moon, or rising, then the cards would maybe apply it for you. And so it was sort of like uh, everyone was getting a little mini read throughout it and it was crazy the synchronicities that occur in that are wild i drew the queen of cups four times out of the 12 <laughs> 12 signs so cool stuff like that happens so there's a lot of free content but mostly because I, I want people to get the inspiration from what i'm doing and then if they really want to go to the next level they can work one-on-one -on -one with me and it's good stuff and i'd love to do one with you man i'm sure you'll find it very interesting thank the you you're saying about the third eye is quite relevant that we think of our chakras maybe being weakened, but we don't realize that they can be overcharged. And you could have your third eye stealing energy from other centers because it's all swole up. Well, and that led to a lot of anxiety and overthinking, you know? Exactly. Yeah, an overcharged third eye would lead to you being really focused on the future in a nervous way or really worried about or like stuck on repeat thinking about things from the past, kind of depending on which side of the third eye the imbalance was on. In fact, I had a client just last week who had a serious third eye blockage because they had just had a brain tumor removed. Wow. Yeah, but that was also really successful. The mental clarity returned after the session. Their family contacted me to let me know how how it was for them to notice her, you know, feeling more able to communicate despite the chemo and stuff she'd gone through. So wow. That's, it's powerful. It's hard yeah. to overestimate. Dude, that's beautiful. I'm so glad that you shared that. And yeah, if there's anybody out there who feels like they can use that themselves in their life, don't hesitate. If you, like Chance said, you can email them at uh, chance at interverse.com, right? Am I getting that right? Interversepodcast.com. Interversepodcast.com. Cool. Just wanted to make sure so anyone listening can follow up with that. Because yeah, man, I... You know, hence the name of my show. I know a couple of people in the family who probably use that treatment, but wouldn't be warmed up to it. So it is, it is cool to know that there are people 
doing this kind of work out there. And if you're listening and maybe you have someone that you'd like to, you know, receive this kind of session, but you're not sure how to talk them into it because they're not up for it, just get in touch with me or Chance and we might be able to help out. But yeah, thank you, dude. This is fun as always. And I'm looking forward to the next time we connect, whether on this show, on your show, Weaving Spider's Web, or any of the other myriad of places that we find ourselves in this internet space. And to all the folks listening from the interverse, thank you. I am on the Telegram, and dude, your community is full of positivity and brilliance. So shout out to all the sparkling lights in the interverse community, and shout out to everyone tuning in to the My Family Thinks Some Crazy podcast. Have a great moment wherever you are in the now.